This episode is brought to you by Fizzy Vantage, now the official climbing nutrition sponsor of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. Fizzy Vantage is the leading brand in climbing nutrition. And just to name a few names, their pro athlete team includes Matt Foltz, Paige Klassen, Drew Ruana, Jonathan Segrist, Natalia Grossman, Melina Costanza, Brittany Gorris, Jordan Cannon, Katie Lambert, Jimmy Webb, and Daniel Woods. The list goes on and on. Basically, the who's who of high-performance rock climbing, they are all using Fizzy Vantage products. I personally love the supercharged collagen. I'm obsessed with getting stronger fingers, and I want to make sure I'm giving my body all the building blocks it needs to make stronger tendons, so I take supercharged collagen every day. If you would like to feel the Fizzy Vantage yourself, head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off any full priced nutrition product. That's fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Chalk Cartel. I've tried a lot of different chalk in my 15 plus years of climbing, and this is my favorite chalk. I love the texture. It's got the perfect amount of grit to it that makes it feel stickier than other chalks. And I swear to you, it stays on my hands longer than other chalks. That's the most important part. And if you're trying a long boulder problem or a pumpy sport climb or a trad climb, not having to stop and chalk up as often can make all the difference. Head over to chalkcartel.com and check out their shop. They've got quarters. They've got kilos. They've even got a sample pack for $3. I call that the dime bag. So you can try it out before diving elbow deep into your chalk bucket. And if you're already hooked on it, like me, you can buy a subscription and have amazing chalk automatically sent to your house. So cool. You can have it delivered every month, every two months, or every three months. All their packaging is eco-friendly, so keeping your chalk bag full has never been easier or lower impact. So check them out, chalkcartel.com, and use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next purchase and get ready to join the cartel. I will leave you with this friendly message from my three-year-old niece. Talk Cartel, you're either for us or we're against you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. And I'm still in South Africa. I'm recording this intro on Monday, August 28th here in Rocklands. I'm here for just a few more days coming to the end of my trip. And unfortunately, I'm battling a sinus infection right now. So this has not been the glorious final week of the trip that we always hope for. I was hoping to send some final projects, but instead I've been taking antibiotics and laying in bed. So um, not, not the most fun way to end a trip, but that's how it goes sometimes. I figured I'd give you guys a quick update since you can probably hear it in my voice. But yeah, let's jump into today's episode. My guest today is Jen DeBellis. Jen is a good friend of mine. We've become a lot better friends on this trip, actually. We got to climb together in Magic Wood and then again here in Rocklands. I really look up to Jen. She's not been climbing for that long, only like seven years, um, but she has a background in competitive gymnastics and she was a pole vaulter in college, has a really impressive base of strength and power and she's gotten really good at climbing really fast. And she works really, really hard, not just at climbing, but also in her job. She's a full-time software engineer and lives on the road full-time. And she does that in the States, traveling around in her van. She goes on trips and she 
makes it happen. She works harder than just about anybody I know. And I always really enjoy our conversations. I always find them interesting, insightful. I think she has some really cool perspectives. I think I've already learned a lot from her and I hope you guys have some great takeaways from this conversation. Apologies about the birds. They're a little bit louder than I thought they would be in the background. Um, They're really charming and cute in person, but then they were pretty noisy on the recording. I did my best to get rid of them. You'll hear them in the first half of the episode. And then by the end, all the birdies went to bed and it's nice and quiet and you can hear some frogs in the background. Anyway, please enjoy this wide ranging conversation with Jen DeBellis. Oh wow, the bugs are out, huh? Okay, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. <laughs> or should we just commit to, should we just relocate now? Um, your call. They're not like... They're not bad right now. Yeah. They do get bad. Okay. I'm not sure... Right around dusk. Yeah. Right around when we're <laughs> going to be peak interviewing. <laughs> the bugs will be bad. <laughs> we like dive bumming our eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is an annoying habit of them. They just want to be inside all of your... Salty. <laughs> <laughs> your salty, your salty places. <laughs> yeah. Your mouth and your eyes <laughs> and your ears. It's so annoying. I have notes. I have a whole page of notes for you, Jen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here we go. Like not the ones I wrote? Well, those make up a decent portion of them, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for those, by the way. Sorry, I realized I might have been verbose. (laughs) Well, I felt like they needed like qualifiers, you know, I couldn't just like write a word. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Or like, you were like, what should we cover? I couldn't just be like, hard climbing (laughs) or like... (laughs) Being in a van, I guess I could have. Your notes were great. Okay. Yeah. Also, you're you're um, I think you use more like grown up, like literature words in day to day life than anyone else I know. Like who says verbose? <laughs> I not, don't know. I mean, it, it's not a rare word, but not very many people, I think. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> like my SAT words. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. That was the sound check. Good job. Okay. <laughs> nice. Pass the sound check. Can we start with your um gymnastics background? I know I, I know a little bit about your your story, but um yeah, your childhood, your background in gymnastics, spending your whole life taking the time to be very good at things. <laughs> oh seems my. Like, seems like that started pretty early. Yeah, yeah. I started gymnastics when I was like three and a half, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> right out the gates. My mom. Three and a half. Yeah. I mean, to my parents' credit, they like, I think they like took me around to all sorts of sports and just like got me into the one that I seemed the most psyched on. But that started at like age three. (laughs) But that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I competed competitively until like kind of middle school when I had to quit like club gymnastics. And then I did high school gymnastics. Okay. Yeah. Which is like less, less intense. Do you remember do you remember liking it as a three year old? Oh yeah. Yeah. I lived for it for sure. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it? What was it about it if you can remember back to the early years? I think like being dynamic, just like the joy of movement. I just remember like kind of like climbing actually, like all the cool shapes that you could like interact with. Like it, at that point you weren't like 
on the individual events. You weren't like on bars being fallen floor. Okay. You were kind of like, I don't know, playing with other contraptions. There was like big cube blocks that you could like climb on. Oh, I have, like I the no ball idea. pits and I stuff. I had no idea. That's cool. Yeah. 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 It's just like playtime, playground time, but on a totally different level. Yeah. 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 Where like the goal is playtime and then like you can level up playtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty fortunate that you found climbing, I think, cuz most sports that we interact with as kids, I played baseball and soccer. Like it's 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 rare to find any continued outlet for those passions if those are your passions and gymnastics is kind of the same way. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know very many adults that do gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's certainly harder to get into. But it seems like a perfect um it seems like it prepared you super well for climbing, and it's showing in your climbing. How long have you been climbing? Um, since I was 22, so I'm about to be 29, which is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> that means seven the, years. The big, <laughs> the big 29. I know. That's when you round up to 30, which I hate. <laughs> 30 is the new 20, and yeah. <laughs> 40 is the new 20 at this point. <clears throat> well, you've gotten, you've gotten so good so fast. Trying. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Lessons from collegiate athletics that could be applied to climbing at any level. Let's talk about that. So were your collegiate athletics gymnastics? Was it anything else? Oh, you pole vaulted. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, when I quit switch, gymnastics. When did you switch to pole vaulting? Uh, in high school. Yeah. Okay. I like... You had an injury or something? Yeah. I like definitely had kind of like the typical Olympic dreams. Like I was in the full-blown like taking time off middle school to go to gymnastics practice. Like, like five hours a day, six times a week. Kind of insane. And then I like had started to get a bunch of back problems and it ended up being kind of like stress fracture. It was just bad. Like my parents took me out and they were like, this is not <laughs> good for you. And so in high school, I was like. You had a stress fracture in your back? Yeah. In high school from gymnastics? That's intense. Yeah. Lots of back bends. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like truly though, I think that's what did it. Wow. <laughs> just like too, too much volume. Yeah, but then pole vault was like, I was trying to like find something that excited me like gymnastics did that I could like dive into. Pole vault was like a happy accident. Just tried it when I tried a bunch of other um, of the like track events. Mm -hmm. And like, of course, now it makes sense. It's like really fun, very mm -hmm. gymnastics. <laughs> That's what I did in college. For how long? I guess eight years, all four years of high school, I started my freshman year and then like the full four years of college. Um, in the NCAA, you only get four years of eligibility. So some people will like choose to not compete their freshman year and like extend that for more time. But I used all my four years in four years. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll circle back to the lessons from athletics because I want to talk about, I want to talk about your warm up at some point. Like you sent me a, okay. <laughs> you sent me a, <laughs> video of your warm up that was probably like 10x speed wise, like it was super fast. I think it was more than that, like 30x or something. Sadly. It was still like a three minute video. I was like, Jesus Christ, how long is your warm up? This is insane. Yeah. Um, it looks very, very thorough, and I'm sure we can all learn from it. So I want to circle back to that. Mm -hmm. But I want, I'm, I'm just curious to kind of get context on how good you were at gymnastics and how that's played into your climbing because something I've noticed climbing with you, we climbed together in Magic Wood and we've climbed together here a little bit. I think you hold yourself to a really high standard. <laughs> but you also balance that with being really pragmatic. 
mm. about your your climbing and how it compares to people who've been climbing since they were little kids. And I, I think that's really mature and interesting. And um, we can dig into that later. But you always seem... I'm I'm always very impressed with your climbing and I can tell that I'm more impressed with your climbing than you are with your climbing. Thank you. And then it's, <laughs> I think that's like, I mean, I do the same for you. I'm pretty no, sure. No, exactly. That's what I was going to say. And then like, you're very impressed with my climbing and I'm always really hard on myself and like, yeah. I'm less impressed with my own climbing. And so what's, what's going on there? Do you think? Um, I don't know. I think that's just a good way to exist. Like I really try to cultivate that mentality, like of like really looking up to your friends and like trying to pick out what you think they're doing really awesome and focus on that. So like, I don't know, I think my friends are pretty awesome at climbing. And when I look at your climbing, I'm like not thinking about and not like paying attention to the ways that you can improve. I'm like paying attention to the ways in which you're slaying and like tr trying to learn something from that. But for me, like I'm trying to get better at climbing. So it serves me better to like to like think about ways that I need to be doing better where mm. I'm like not meeting my personal mark. Yeah. 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 I wasn't fishing for compliments there. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting. Like why, why are we both so hard on ourselves? Yeah. And I'm wondering if for you, <clears throat> I was imagining like what it would be like to train gymnastics from the age of three, three and a half. And I can imagine that like, cause I think, I think there's been, times where I've said like, dude, you're killing it. Like your, pro your progress is super fast. You're like getting really good at climbing really quickly. <clears throat> and you kind of are, I think your reaction to that is always a little bit like, well, yeah, but I have this huge history and it kind of gives me a sense of like, wow, I have no idea the amount of work that you put in all those years. Does it feel that way entering into the climbing space a little bit? Like a lot of climbers have no idea what a childhood in gymnastics or some of these other sports looks like and the amount of work that you put in? Well, I just think a lot of people haven't had the experience of like getting pushed to that extreme in that way from childhood. But I think like a lot that happens in a lot of sports. It's not just gymnastics. Like I imagine starting climbing from the age of three is really similar. Mm. But like, you know, I, <laughs> I had like these like Bulgarian and Russian coaches that were really hard on us like when we were like five. But like you grow up like becoming an adult or like going through childhood with people like that that are kind of like <laughs> ordering you around but it like in a nice way but kind of in like a militant way that like definitely shapes your tolerance for being hard on yourself mm. yeah I don't know if that really answers your question oh I, I, I'm yeah. doing what I always do which is ask way too many questions all at once <laughs> <clears throat> yeah which is fine um what are some of the greatest lessons that you think you learned from either gymnastics or from pole vaulting that have played into your climbing? Mm, a handful for sure. A huge one is like being comfortable with failure. Like if your goal is to like reach your personal limit in climbing or whatever, like you're going to have to get like really comfortable with failing to get there. And I think some people might not realize that, that haven't had like a sports background growing up. Um, Cause you'll, you'll have the phase where you're like rapidly progressing and then that feels amazing. And you're not failing like too often at that part. And you're not trying like that hard at that part, but then you start like approaching your limit or like things start getting hard and you need to put a lot more work in. And like, that's when you can like put a lot of work into something and still fail and that can like sting, mm. but you kind of like keep 
you need to like keep doing that over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like that was a hard lesson, particularly for me going into college for pole vaulting. Cause that was like the first time that somebody like I had a scholarship. So it was like that relationship with like, Oh, I failed at this competition. And like, somebody's like paying me to fail <laughs> this competition. It's like a terrible feeling. Mm, wow. Um, but it's a good lesson to like get comfortable with it. Cause that's like part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So probably like the biggest one for me. And I think that applies so much specifically in bouldering because you're failing just like so much. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the time for sure. As a kid, like, do you remember the first time you came into, you came across failure or really felt that or really wrestled with that? Um, I have no idea what childhood gymnastics looks like. Like, I don't know. What, yeah. What it, it changes from being like, playtime where you where you can level up to like <laughs> yeah i don't competitions or whatever else i don't know what it looks like now but there's like a pretty formalized system like um like nationally at least in the u.s like you'll start at level four i think now that i'm thinking about it i don't know why it's like level four and not level zero maybe there like is a level zero but my memory starts at level four okay <laughs> yeah. um and then again this has probably changed but like you kind of like go through the levels and then like level 10, again, this might be different, but level 10 was kind of like the last level before you were like pro and then becomes elite. And that's like the people that go to the Olympics are like elite level, but that's kind of like an uncapped, uncapped level. Mm. Um, so yeah, you're like, you're on a pretty formalized path and like you need to get certain skills to go to the next level and there's certain requirements. But yeah, like, I feel like my first recollection of failure was like missing the mark in one of those where like I really wanted to get to level nine or level 10 and I just couldn't get a couple of the skills down to justify my coaches moving me up. Mm. And that stung because it had never been hard until that point. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I guess could like exactly correlate with bouldering moves. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. like you just have to do certain moves to be able to send a particular climb, and it mm, sucks when like you can't this one's do just them. Not clicking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. The level. So you got up to level eight or nine? Level ten. You got to level ten. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you were insanely good at gymnastics. Um, not, there's a lot of people insanely good. Yeah, I was like the regional champion, so I think that's like the Pacific Northwest, a couple states, whatever that means. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty fucking good. That's cool. <laughs> kind of didn't matter to me unless I was going to the Olympics. <laughs> but that's an unreasonable goal. <laughs> you set big goals, Jen. I, I, yeah. I think that's an um, incredible quality, actually, that you have. You aim, you aim really big. <clears throat> I think you do too, though. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's why it's been fun to climb with you. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <clears throat> um, how's the trip gone so far? Mm. Do you want to set the scene for us? We're like, we're going backwards now, but we're <laughs> sitting out here like trying to brush the bugs off of our faces. Do you want to yeah. tell us where we are? Because this is an incredible spot. This is definitely <laughs> the most picturesque recording setup of the trip so far. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted something. Nailed it. <laughs> um, we are in Rocklands in South Africa at my just unrealistically amazing Airbnb. We're like on one of my two patios. <laughs> um, 
I don't know, the sun setting. We got some fun birds making some fun nests in the trees. You can probably hear. (laughs) Yeah. But um, the scene is good. (laughs) How's the trip been? Um, It's been, well, okay. I like set goals coming into the trip and I've hit all those goals, but they happened kind of early. So now I'm frustrated because I set new goals and I haven't made those <laughs> happen. <laughs> okay. What were the, what was the first round of goals? Um, so there's this climb that has inspired me since I can remember like consuming outdoor bouldering content called Ray of Light. And I tried it last year kind of as just like uh, just to see what it's about, you know, it's like so cool to meet the boulders that you have heard stories of <laughs> or seen stories of. Sorry, sorry, to, <laughs> sorry to pause you or interrupt you, but yeah. um, but when did you first hear about it? How did you first hear about it? When was this? Um, I mean, my first year of climbing outside, so like 2018. Okay. I think I just like went down the Nina Williams rabbit hole. Yeah. I was like, wow, nice. this girl's just crushing everything, you know, watching her. Send Ambrosia and Bishop was really inspiring. And then there's a video of her doing Ray of Light. And I don't know, it just like looked like one of the prettiest climbs ever. Couldn't tell you why. But to me, I just spoke think it looks you. amazing. Yeah, spoke yeah. to me. Yeah. So last trip, um, I tried it, as I said, just to kind of like meet the boulder. <laughs> was last year your first year here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, first year here. Um but I wasn't like focused on it. It was just like cool to see what it was about, like, and what I thought I needed to do to be able to do all the moves. And then this year, the only goal was to do the crux. It's like a pretty cruxy climb, in my opinion. Feels like maybe like V6 to get into this like slot. And then I think most people think this is the crux, but it's like you get your hands however far deep into the slot you can and you kind of like huck to this sloping rail. But it's quite hard, and I didn't come close last year. So I was just hoping to do the move this year, which I did my first session, which was amazing. That's so sick. So then my new goal is to send the boulder, and that was hard. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 So trip success in that in that way. Um, What's the breakdown of that one? It's V13. Yeah. How hard do you think the crux is? And there's still a lot of climbing after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a V9, a very droppable V9 after that, in my opinion. so like below my limit, but like still quite hard and like really insecure moves. But I think the crux by itself, I mean, I don't know. I like, I feel like such a Gumby talking about V13s because I've never done one. And there's like a gazillion people here that just eat V13 for lunch. So well, we should talk about that I don't later, know. This, this place really makes you feel like you suck. And yeah. In like an awesome way. I in, an awesome, it. <laughs> in an awesome way for sure. But in a yeah. really, in a way that I definitely have never experienced before anywhere. It's yeah. like, wow, this, these are the best climbers on the planet or many of them. But they just seem like normal people and that's totally fucking with me. <laughs> uh, you and me both. I'm yeah. like, it's like interesting to go back and forth talking to you about this. I would love to know what the average person would experience like coming here and being surrounded by so many people that are so competent. It's like such a mind-blowing experience. Mm-hmm. Just want to talk to more people in our position. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're an incredible climber. And Thanks. like so are a lot of people. There are mutants here. There are, mu- there are mutants here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but I interrupted you. So yeah. You, think feel, the, like a, you feel like you're gonna be talking about this, but yeah. you're not. How how hard's the move, do you think? <laughs> um, it's gotta be like a feels like V10. V10 move by okay. itself, maybe. Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. At least. 
Um, God damn, that's so sick. I don't think I've ever done a V10 move. <laughs> I mean, you might have. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'll think about it. But I don't think I can't think of any. Okay, that's rad. So then, what? How's the rest of your trip gone? Um, <clears throat> it's funny how goals kind of move. Like, yeah. I think last year I, V10 was just like. I, if you're an American climber, I feel like V10 is this threshold, whereas I'm learning from our Magic Wood trip, that's like A day for all the Euros, which is really funny to me. But like V10 used to be this like, uh, I would feel like so stoked to do one. I still am. Like, I think more now, like I care about the quality, but like when I was first doing my few, my first few V10s, it was like, oh, wow, I just like did another one. So, so excited. That's like, like trip is made. So I've done like a handful of V10s this trip, which I'm very excited about, but I'm like left a little bit. Um, I don't know. Just like wanting more, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's time to level up, but I haven't yet. It's been like a little bit frustrating and hard to stay the course of like just trying what inspires me. Mm. Um, instead of like going after certain grades. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I felt a little bit like a crazy person, just like going up to Ray of Light, kind of knowing that like the chances of sending it this season was low. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So let's, let's dig into that. Cause I yeah. know what you're talking about, but to paint more context around that for people, you've climbed a handful of V11s, a shit ton of V10s. I was actually creeping on your 8A earlier today. <laughs> nice. You've done a lot of them, like at almost 30 or something V10s in not that many years and you're inspired by this v13 and you're trying it and you can like definitely do it um but you haven't climbed v12 yet so that's what you're talking about is going after the inspiring really hard thing versus mm -hmm. like trying to find a v12 that you could do yep yeah yeah who knows what the right choice is <laughs> <laughs> we never know but i think it's cool that you i think it's super cool that you went after that that's like yeah. something i'm drawing inspiration from and and wanting to do more of um in my climbing is get really uncomfortable and try things where like mm -hmm. i definitely can't do it right now but that's not the point i'm trying it cuz i'm planting seeds for the future you yeah know? i haven't really done that much of that in the last few years at least on hard boulders i want to hear about your when your climbing philosophy changed, can you tell me about the previous philosophy in the V10 thing that you were doing? Like the, you like had to do another V10 before like the last one dropped off your scorecard or something. Oh like God. That. <laughs> Forgot I told you about this. I feel like it's kind of shameful. <laughs> I feel like there's like a side of my climbing where I'm like, like, oh, I just want to go after like this most inspiring boulders. And I do. But then like the like twisted competitive gymnastic side of me is like, but I want to be on the 8A leaderboard <laughs> or like, but I can't let my like V10 from nearly 12 months ago fall off my like top 10 or whatever. I don't know. For people that don't know how 8A works, like the rankings are based on your top 10 climbs in the last 12 months. So like you like climbs that you sent nearly a year ago are going to like fall off your top 10 and you've got to replace them. <laughs> So <laughs> I love, I mean, it's just so, it's just so normal and human. So yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Nothing to be I don't know. About. Have you done that to you? Um, well, I don't, I, I do it in my own way. Like I, I don't, um, I've never done the rankings. I have like just a logbook on a day mm -hmm. because I'm so, I'm like, I'd be so far down the rankings. Like I would probably do the rankings if I was going to be higher up the rankings, mm -hmm. but because I'm so far down, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. What's the point? But you can still compete with yourself, which I think exactly. is like 
kind of fun. I definitely compete <laughs> with myself in the sense that I like look at what I did last year. Mm-hmm. And if this year's not measuring up, I'm kind of like, fuck. <laughs> you know, even if even if I went into the year with completely different goals, like maybe my goal was to focus more on training and to level up um, in some big way that's going to take take me several steps back before I can move several steps forward. Like with that, you're obviously not going to send as much as if you're just trying to perform as much as possible over the course of the year. But mm-hmm. even when I, or like last year, I spent a lot of time sport climbing. I spent a lot of time trying Joe Exotic, which I didn't do. And those were, that's a lot of weeks where I wasn't bouldering. So I'm yep. not going to have sent as many boulders by the end of the year. But even so, I'm like, fuck, 2021 was really good. 2022 wasn't as good. What's wrong with me? Yeah. I'm going backwards. I totally... Your problem is the metrics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, measure, yeah. Measuring the wrong things. But I get sucked into those number games for sure. Yeah. Well, you're an engineer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm an engineer too. <laughs> it's right. hard not to get sucked into yeah. the metrics. But yeah, tell me, tell me what led to your shift in philosophy and where how you think about it now. Like, what's your approach now? Like, like trying to get away from those metrics or? seems like you've let go of that a little bit and you're more focused. Like in Magicwood, you were trying, you tried so many hard things. You were not Mm -hmm. there that long and you tried Mm -hmm. a lot of really hard things seemingly without being stressed about whether you're going to send. You just wanted to put time in on like V12s and V13s. Mm -hmm. You did. It was, it was rad. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, well, <laughs> I didn't even think that about myself. But now that you're framing it that way, I guess it's like been a significant amount of time where I've kind of just like let go of sending things within the realm of reason and tried things like much harder um, with the knowledge that it might not work out that trip or in a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just following inspiration is more inspirational. <laughs> And um, for me, like, there's, like, these dream boulders that I remember getting introduced to early on in my climbing career, and I'm starting to feel like like it's time to start engaging with them. And that comes at the cost of, like, sending now. It's, like, delayed gratification. But hopefully, like, playing my cards right, it'll lead to a better outcome. It's been really hard to... <laughs> let go of sending and like really, really accept a lot of failing. Yeah. I've done a lot of failing in the last couple months across two continents. <laughs> it's interesting though, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's it's all in how you frame it. Yeah, totally. Because you did really well on several really hard things in Magicwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you feel the same way. I know like you've been working Black Shadow, which is going really well for you. <laughs> I'm Fingers cool. crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I have a yeah. new trick I'm going to try tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> have you talked about it yet? No, I haven't talked about it on the show. I, um, <laughs> so, should I tell it now? I don't want yeah, to Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, well, yeah, press, uh, put, put a book bookmark there because I definitely want to come back to that. But I've been trying Black Shadow. Hopefully, it'll be my first V12. I feel super close. I've done it in two big overlaps, including from below Crux 1 to the top, which is like the big link on the boulder. Just have to add like a V4, like kind of a long V4 into that, which is surprisingly hard <laughs> to do. But um, the part that. that's giving me a lot of trouble is the toe hook, the right toe hook, because the really good close one is a little too close and it puts my body too low. 
<laughs> and it just doesn't work for my box. So I'm trying a farther toe hook and it's kind of fussy and it's destroying my shoe. That's the big issue is destroying my shoe. It's kind of a, you want a deep toe hook, but I end up toe hooking kind of right where the top of the rubber is. And it's like peeling it back and it's kind of like rubbing through the strap and it's just not working. So um, I got kind of desperate <laughs> and I was like, I want to, I want to put rubber on top of my shoe. What can I use? And I was like, maybe I should cut my knee bar pad apart, but I don't really want to do that because it's expensive. So I was like, maybe I'll cut my, my left shoe of this shoe. Cause I'm wearing two different shoes anyway. Maybe I'll cut the left one apart and put that on top of my shoe. But I didn't want to do that. So then I realized I had these approach shoes that were like totally blown anyway. And I haven't worn them. I've just been wearing Vans for the last like two months. So I took these La Sportiva, I don't know what they are. They're like TX, one of the TXs, um, the lightweight ones. And I love them, but they wear out really quickly. So they're totally gone anyway. And I cut the bottom off and I'm making kind of like a little knee bar pad for the top of my foot. And I can't wait to try it. I just love this. (laughs) I can't wait to try it. I love the picture that you sent me. (laughs) Yeah, I was so psyched. I was like, this fits perfectly. I like washed it and then put took like the tension shoe spray and like buffed it up and got it all black and shiny. Out here, we're shoe engineers. Yeah, we're (laughs) desperate times, desperate measures. Yeah. But it's a rare shoe that where the toe hooking rubber comes up high enough because you always want to like, it's just physics, right? Like you want, if this is the tip of your foot, this is worthless for people listening on the podcast. I'm sorry. But if, <laughs> <laughs> if you have the toe hook closer to the ends of your toes, it's terrible leverage and you can't put yep. as much force through it. And if it's closer to your shin bone, you're going to get way better leverage, but the rubber ne- never goes up that high. I would buy a shoe that fixes this. I feel like All we right. threw out a company idea of like of like knee bar pads, but for your shoes. I'm going to pitch this to send <laughs> when I'm in Waco this winter for sure. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so anyway, I'm yeah. going to go try that tomorrow night and um, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. Let you know <laughs> if it works. But how, why were we talking about that? Back to... <laughs> I think just hard bouldering. Hard bouldering. Or like... like You were you were talking about yeah. your hard things in Magic Wood that you were trying. Well, I was just going to make the point like uh, for me and it sounds like for others, I don't know if you feel the same, but like now it's become more about focusing on like sending moves as opposed to sending boulders. Like I'm so excited about sending crux moves of hard climbs because that means like theoretically I could do it, but it's much harder to put together. Yeah. I don't know if you've felt that transition I, for yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving towards that yeah. and I want to get better at that. Like I love watching Emil's videos and, you know, watching him finally do the crux move on the big island, mm-hmm. you know, like he hasn't even done the boulder and like, that was sick, <laughs> you know, three parts or whatever. He's not close to sending, but he finally did that move. And I've like never seen someone more excited <laughs> about anything. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I want to work towards that. Cause that's, it's so cool. Like that's mm-hmm. such a, such a healthy, good process goal kind of orientation. And yeah. Um, I mean, what, yeah, what a cool source of motivation if you're trying really hard things. Totally. Yeah. 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 Like breaking it down into, or turning the smaller ones into bigger ones because you kind of have to. Like Mm -hmm. now sending moves is like, I don't know, like when I sent the like crux move of Ray, I was, that was the happiest I've been climbing in as long as I can remember. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I was stoked. There's like a video of me where I was like recording. You're just giggling. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I was giggling. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so it's definitely like part of that (laughs) 
transition of trying harder relative to me. Yeah. But I think like anybody could do that at any grade that like pushes them. Yeah. 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 Do you think there's like a time where it's appropriate or not appropriate to really stretch? Like. Do you wish you'd done it earlier? Like, is there a reason that you're doing it now versus a few years ago? Mm. Were you doing it then? Like trying like well above my limit. Yeah. Yeah. You called them. What did you call them? Beyond limit boulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like I feel like a goober just like walking up to Ray being like, I'm trying V13. I haven't set V12. <laughs> but it doesn't matter ultimately. Oh, yeah. You did all the moves. So um, You should definitely be trying it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> people shouldn't feel like a goober trying climbs that are like beyond their limit or a couple grades beyond their current limit. I like, I went through like phases. Well, it was something I appreciated early on in my climbing actually, but it was more of like, I just happened to be there with stronger friends. Like I remember Joe's Valley was like one of the first places I like bouldered. So I kind of like, I did my first V6 there, my first V7 there. Um, but I went around with people that could climb V10. And so I would like always just loiter with them and like watch them climb and try to learn from them. And I would pull on to the V10s. So kind of similarly, like I would do that earlier in my climbing. And I actually think that was like invaluable to my progression. Mm. Um, but now like I'm going to these hard things alone and it's like more self-directed. It feels like a little scarier and sillier to be doing it as opposed to like already being there with friends mm. and like mm -hmm. just, oh sure, I'll just try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, yeah, like on a <clears throat> on a trip like this, you've had a good chunk of time here, what, five or six weeks or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, five coming, weeks. Coming to the end of it now. And that sounds like a lot. And I'm sure it's going to be really annoying for me to say this for the people that only have two weeks off a year and have really short <laughs> trips. But it's it's always remarkable how little time or how, how few quality days you actually get on a really hard project mm -hmm. in a five-week period if you're not... A mutant, you know, like if yeah. you're if you're Adam Shahar and you're well, he's climbing V14s, which he can flash. So you know, yeah. he's not he's not trying V18 or whatever. And maybe it would be different if he was, but but yeah, like it really doesn't end up being that much, that many opportunities to go to a hard thing really fresh and invest a ton of energy into it. And so you're really, or at least I am, like always really aware of the. Mm -hmm. Um, of like of the sacrifice the yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like what you're about to give to that mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's made it harder to stomach? <laughs> well, not, not, I mean, sometimes it, yeah, sometimes it, it totally does here. I don't know why I think, you know, I'm, I'm always, we always go through seasons, right. And I definitely have seasons where I'm really hungry to like get on top of boulders. And I feel, um, I feel like I'm not being productive unless I'm like, doing new things. Mm -hmm. um, and then other seasons, I feel really satisfied as far as that goes. And I want to stretch and I want to like invest mm -hmm. in the future. <clears throat> and I think coming off of my trip to Magicwood, where I did a ton of volume and got like a good send under my belt, coming here, I, I felt super clear about wanting to try Black Shadow. And I was just like, I really hope it fits me as well as I think it will. Cool. Um, I really want to try to climb V12. Maybe it won't work out. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll have nothing to show for my trip. That's okay. So I, I, I'm i not really second guessing it being here, but 
There have definitely been past seasons where it's been a lot more Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck am I still doing trying this thing? You know, like, ah, there's all these other amazing climbs. I've I've run into that a couple of seasons in Waco more where I get stuck on like a project that I think is going to go and it drags out. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, I'm at this amazing place with all these other climbs. Yeah. I'm really trying martini left again, you know, or <laughs> whatever it is. That one in particular makes me laugh because it doesn't even top out. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> I'm in this hole with all the bros. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I can definitely feel like climb. a crazy person. Yeah. But it's part of the process. <laughs> what have you learned from this trip? Because something that I've noticed, I think you and I have had a really parallel experience on our two projects. Mm-hmm. Um. I made like really steady, very noticeable progress my first four sessions on Black Shadow. I was trying it every other climbing day, more or less, mm-hmm. um, like I did with Octopussy and like I normally do. But um, but yeah, huge progress. The first four sessions got to the point where I overlapped it, felt really close. And then I think I just overcooked it and like really dug myself <laughs> a hole without realizing it and <laughs> probably should have realized it, but it's, you know, whatever. Uh, it's so hard until... It's so hard. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to recognize when you're in the hole yeah. <laughs> until it's too late. But yeah, fifth and sixth session were not very good. And the boulder just felt harder. And the easier parts of the boulder felt harder. Um, still learned a lot. So they were still worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And then I got sick. So it's just like, oh, I was definitely in a hole. Definitely yeah. overdoing it. Um, it seems like you made amazing progress and then kind of yeah. hit, the, hit, the, hit the wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same thing. Dug the hole as well. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> Will you do anything different next time or do you have any like takeaways, lessons? Yeah. Well, Ray, Ray was kind of hard <laughs> adding to me feeling like a crazy person. Like just nobody wanted to try it with me. Mm. <laughs> I would like get somebody to like finally get excited to go with me and they'd be like, oh, I hate this. There's kind of like the slot move is like understandably quite awful. And so like it was hard logistically to get pads um, and people up there to be psyched. But I had a similar thing happen to me that happened to you with Black Shadow is like <laughs> not really honoring like what damage you've been doing to your body trying at your limit, mm. which it kind of makes sense. Like powerlifters probably don't like max out once every like four days for like weeks on end. Totally. Like, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a smart strategy. And so I think like next time I'll kind of treat it as such like build in more time for rest, build in some better strategy there and like honor how much <laughs> effort um, that I'm putting towards it and and like how much recovery that might take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I think um, I think I like have had a harder time trusting myself and my intuition and like remembering that I know myself and how I climb and how much recovery I need being here because we're so surrounded by so many mutants, you know, like you, you really, (laughs) you really feel like there's something wrong with you. If you're like taking another rest day tomorrow, you know, everyone's like, Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I'm like four days on and still sending like (laughs) V13. Like, Oh, well I could like definitely go. I could go climb that (laughs) V10, I guess, or V11 tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I love that though. Like, like other than I'm just absolutely in the hole right now and my body is like so tired and it's at this point just amusing that I've gotten here. <laughs> I need to learn how to get out. Um, I feel like it's made at least me like 
rise to the occasion a bit. Like, I think that's why you get pockets of really good climbers, um, like people in Salt Lake, like some of the Crusher crews, like this, like Northeast crew here that's crushing everything. I think when you're surrounded by people that are like really getting after it and really trying and sending really hard, like it like raises the perceived bar. And so you push harder than you otherwise would have in a different environment, Mm. which is really cool. I think it's like hard to um, create that environment, I guess, or like hard to get in that environment. Like, yeah, you can just like learn so much from people climbing better from you. Mm -hmm. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Rumple. Rumple is on a mission to introduce the world to better blankets. And I think they've done that. My Rumple blanket is literally one of my favorite things I own. It's so cozy. It's like having the coziness of a puffy sleeping bag with you wherever you go. Rumple's original puffy blanket is made of the same materials as your favorite outdoor gear. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a durable water repellent finish. So it's water resistant, stain resistant, and odor resistant. This thing's amazing. It'll be your new favorite blanket, whatever the circumstances, even if you just use it at the house. It's the best. Also, Rumpel has branched out and makes a ton of other amazing products. The Nanoloft travel blanket is the size of a Nalgene when packed down and can travel with you literally anywhere. And the Nanoloft flame blanket, that's the one I have, has a fire-resistant top layer, so you can sit next to a campfire with your puffy blanket and not have to worry about burn holes. Amazing. I also have the Everywhere Mat. This thing is a perfect little porch for my van. It's also perfect for a picnic or for hanging out at the crag. And the Everywhere Towel is super handy as well. This thing takes up no room at all. It's a full-size towel. It's so convenient for travel. It dries super quickly. And if you're like me and live in a van, it's a total must-have. I actually got rid of my regular towel because this thing was better. I just love Rumple. Everything they make is amazing. Go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, You'll know that it's not just about climbing. It's also about getting to know people and learning from them. And it's about getting to know ourselves because until we do that, it's really hard to know how to get where we wanna go in life or romantic relationships or climbing or anything. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I go to therapy twice a month, and it's awesome. It's just nice to talk to somebody whose job it is to really listen no matter what you're dealing with. If you're having a hard time or just want a professional to help you become the best version of yourself, then therapy is going to be awesome for you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. That's what I use. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge and without any 
awkwardness. It's super easy. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash nugget today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash nugget. And now back to the show. Who are some of the people you've learned the most from climbing with them, you think? Mm. A lot of people. I mean, <laughs> the people that I look to look up to the most in climbing, um, they have like very different styles for me. So I think like in that regard, I haven't yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um <laughs> oh, it turns out it's a tough question. Mm. <laughs> 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 yeah. Actually, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how I would answer that either. It's, yeah. I would probably, I would maybe even reference some of the people that I've watched a lot that I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't even know at the time, you know, like I, I learned a ton from watching a shitload of Jonathan Segrist sport oh, climbing videos, you know, that's when cool. I was living at Smith. Um, and I've learned a lot from watching Matt Fultz, yeah. you know, without hanging out with him in person, just watching how he climbs and mm-hmm. totally. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I just like love how wide the climbing world is in terms of content, like really quality content and like different examples of expertise. Cause like, I guess like I just had a hard time answering that question because the people that I look up to most, um, like of my direct peers, like they don't climb anything like me. Mm. I don't think I like fit into their style, like, but they're inspiring to me and like their character. Uh, and um, also just like knowing how hard people that climb hard try still as well. Like, I think it's easy to be like, oh, well, like these crews just come in and like they just send V13 and it's like not even hard for them. Mm-hmm. But when you're like spending like a whole trip with somebody that climbs that hard and you realize that they're like, <laughs> they're like suffering, they're still like hiking like a lot to their project or like, you know, like, going to extreme lengths to get good conditions or going to extreme lengths to like do this thing. Like all you see is the like, yeah, uh, <laughs> the end result, I guess. But like the people that yeah. are climbing hard are like pushing really hard too. Yeah. And I think it's cool to like remember that. Right. They're pushing through a lot sometimes too. Like the, yeah, <laughs> those Northeast boys, their skin. <laughs> I don't think I've, yeah, it's just, yeah. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but blew my mind to see all of their fingers. I'm like, yeah. how the fuck are you guys still climbing and they're still sending v14 but yeah. they're like they're clearly pushing through a lot like yeah. you, you don't climb v14 on tiny holds with skin like that mm-hmm. and not suffer yeah 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 i think that's <laughs> that's a huge part of it that people don't realize like it's just it's certainly not easy for a lot of people climbing really hard you're not yeah. seeing like all the things like uh i don't <laughs> Well, I'm realizing I'm having a hard time articulating this. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <clears throat> um, how do I say this? Well, let's let's talk about um I mean if you have if you have like a thought that comes to mind, feel free to go cool. back and we can we can um close the loop on that. But let's talk about I'm looking through my notes here, having trouble finding the thing I'm looking for. I guess just owning, yeah, owning your own mm. style not falling into the pitfall of trying to copy your peers. I think that's amazing. Because I realized climbing with you that I 
have a terrible bias, which is I, I definitely have a tendency to assume that strong women are good at crimp boulders. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't, I should, I should stop <laughs> assuming that. That's yeah. probably not, it's never great to assume, but um, a lot of them are. I mean, to be fair. Right. But <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of like assumed that I don't remember what we were, you know, what we were looking at or what we were trying, but I, I like just assumed that you would do really well on a climb in Magic Wood that's not your style at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was interesting to hear your thoughts. Yeah. 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 It's been hard for me in particular because like, I'm so inspired by my like women friends that climb harder than me. Um, and I just want to be like them. Like my friend, Sarah, who I've gone on a couple trips with, like I look up to her and her climbing so much. I mean, she's like such an excellent climber, but our styles are really opposite. And so like ever since starting to climb with her and like wanting to reach that level, I was like, okay, I just like need to be like her. I need a crimp. Like I need to adopt this like high angle crimping style and like get really good at like these like totally fucked heel hooks or whatever. And like, that'll be sweet. And then I'll be like her. Mm -hmm. um, and like a lot of my other lady friends too, like just like own this like high angle crimping style, which I'm so absolutely trash at. And it really did me a disservice to like train that way and try to climb boulders in that way. And like not even like think about other beta that I could be using. I'm like, oh, well, like there's been one girl that's done this boulder and this is how she did it. Like, like I should kind of follow that path because it's really inspiring and it's cool. And like, I'm a girl and mm -hmm. <laughs> like as much as that doesn't matter and like, I really don't think it matters. Um, it's easy to get like stuck into that pitfall of trying to be like people you admire in climbing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like the biggest example of that for me was in Waco this year, like, and which is now one of my biggest goals um, in terms of boulders I want to climb. Like, I just been kind of like beating my head against these crimpy boulders because I just like want them to work. And I do love crimping. Um, and I didn't even consider trying this climb full throttle. That's like, it's so beautiful. It's like this V13 and no woman's ever done it as far as I know. And so it's really intimidating in that regard because a lot of strong people have come to Waco. And I would go with my boss um, who's working it and just like watch him try the crux move and be like, wow, that's just like so ridiculous. I can't imagine like any girl ever doing that. Or I guess I could, but I don't know. Just like the fact that it hadn't been done was really intimidating. And then, yeah, and it like, it's not crimpy. It's like this really like burly, like full core tension kind of like, sloper pinch compress I, it's like do you know the move yeah yeah i think it's, it's very odd <laughs> chris chris does it in like best of the west maybe or some old bouldering film does i think it's ascent. in that it's in one of the like classic waco films for sure yeah yeah maybe it was in one of the dosage movies when they go back to waco can't can't remember but yeah i uh -huh. think it's a chris sharma first ascent right and it's right next to full service yeah um shares the beginning of full service yeah and mm -hmm. just kind of goes under this like suspended arete mm -hmm. just so freaking burly just looks so burly so burly but it's so yeah. it's like one of the most beautiful boulders i've ever seen um but yeah anyways like i just you know would like go to that boulder and look at it and be like that's ridiculous i'm gonna go try these crimps yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then one day i was like whatever mm -hmm. like fuck it i'll try the crux and like did it in the first session wow <laughs> which was really cool so sick. um and was kind of like like the turning point for me of like, oh, like my style 
is just not what I like think it should be or mm. like not what I'm trying to bend it into being. Yeah. Like I need to start approaching these boulders like in my own way. And that's how I do the crux of Rhyolite too, actually. It's like a little bit different than others. Like I couldn't figure out how to finger lock and I don't crimp. So I just like heinously fi- three finger drag, like <laughs> all the moves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of my style. You're, yeah. you're a dragger. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, anyways. Makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like you yeah. have, you know, you have, um, how old were you when you started climbing again? 22. 22. Yeah. So you, that's pretty late. I mean, as far as, um, you know, as, as far as the kids nowadays go, it's pretty late to start climbing there, but you have so many years of gymnastics and then collegiate athletics, mm-hmm. um, to draw from. And so obviously like, you're going to be really strong or you are really strong. You're going to be good at powerful moves that utilize all those skills. And then the finger strength, it's going to get there, but like seven years, isn't that much time to catch up with this base of gymnastic strength that you have. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it makes sense that it's your Actually. style. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, it's sick yeah. that you're like just <laughs> totally leaning into it. Yeah. Well, I think more people should, like, I wish I would have done it sooner. Like, I think we've had a couple of talks about this too. Like, yeah, I think we might've had a similar trajectory with like trying to like adopt a different style than we're naturally good at. And then I think you're just smarter than me. I just, I just <laughs> stuck with it for like seven years. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to be a Smith boy. I'm going to make it work. <laughs> and you're like, no, try that going back to yeah. this other thing. All right, folks. It's if good, the roofs call, you answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think I just, um, I just, it took me like hitting the road. Hmm. That's what it took me. It was hitting the road. I literally didn't know before 2020 that really hard boulders could have good holds. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> You're like they just get tinier and tinier. They just get tinier and tinier. And you like, crimp harder and harder. <laughs> totally. Every I, everything I had ever seen or tried was yeah. like that, and especially in Central Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's stuff in Leavenworth that's got pretty good holds. That's you know that's hard, but I guess I just wasn't going and looking at those things at the time, and. Um, should wish I had, but yeah, yeah, I just associated harder with like nasty little thin crimping uh-huh. and stuff. And yeah, went to Waco for the first time and went to St. George for the first time and was like, wow, you can have steep sport climbs and like, like hard sport climbs that have like good holds and mm-hmm. really fun boulders and hard boulders that have good holds and really fun moves. Yeah. That's that yeah, blew my mind, you know, like going and looking at the automator and Rocky, I was like, wow, these holds are, this thing looks really hard Yeah, because the moves are huge and there's a ton of tension, but these holds aren't that small. Like they're not nearly as small as I would have thought they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's cool how differently you can express difficulty Yeah, yeah. in the climbing world. Like yeah. it's, it's really cool. Like if... <laughs> if the tiny crimps inspire you and that's like how you want to evolve as a climber, that's there, but you can all writ or you can also achieve that with like complex movement, good holds, but like really difficult body positions. Yeah. What's your, um, what's your philosophy as far as improving and training? I know you do a ton of training. One thing I'm excited to talk to you about actually is your lifestyle and the way that you <laughs> balance your training and your climbing because I think it's really smart and um it's it's really appealing like it's it's making me really rethink how I want to spend the next couple of years because I oh, might model my cool. <laughs> m- yeah I might just like try to model 
what I'm doing a little bit after that because it seems like it's working really well. It works really well with a remote job, um, which mm-hmm. we can talk about as well. But I know you're working on finger strength all the time. Are you trying to like double down on your superpowers? Are you working on weaknesses? Are you focusing on certain areas that you're climbing right now? Yeah. Um, I think well, your podcast has actually helped inform my training a lot. I think I'm going to try to incorporate more like trip specific training, kind of like Aiden talks about in his episodes where he like is targeting a boulder and then adapts his training for what's required of that boulder. I did that for this trip and it worked well. Um, so I'll be doing some of that, but regarding weaknesses, um, I used to just hammer on them. Like I would just relentlessly crimp in like the high angle position. And like, I actually got my first climbing injury by doing this. I only worked my weaknesses and my strength has historically been three finger dragging, but I went through this training period where I did not three finger drag at all. And then I went to Joe's Valley and tried this boulder that was like incredibly pockety and I blew a lumber coal and it mm. was like devastating. Yeah. Damn. And so that was definitely a pitfall. So now I'm like, I think uh, if I had to like summarize it, it would be like working my strengths and then supplementing my weaknesses. Cause I don't want my weaknesses to be like the point of failure either, mm-hmm. like injury wise. Um, like my pinkies never, ever, ever bend, but I want to make sure that if they do bend <laughs> in like a crimp position, like they won't break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Um, what, what proportion of your time or energy do you think you put into each of those things, working on your strengths versus supplementing with your weaknesses? It's mm. a good question. I don't know if I think about it in proportions. More of like like checkboxes. Like, do I feel like I've like addressed some weaknesses in the session? Like, check. <laughs> mm. Or like, like, these are the three things that I'm weakest at. Um, and I want to improve on it during the cycle. Like, have I like moved the needle a little bit further in the session? Yes or no. So I think like I'll adapt the proportion for what's ever needed to move the needle a little bit to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. So maybe it could like be different throughout the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like an example of that would be like, yeah, like my pinkies never bend because I rarely get in the high angle position, but like sometimes like the hold requires that of me. So I want to be able to do that if there's like no other way to hold a hold. And so I'll like work in like the tension block, for example, like these in cut holds and try to like hold a heavier weight each session. So as long as I've done that, it's like achieved that goal. Okay. What are what are the three? Was that just an example, or do you have like these are my <laughs> these are my three weaknesses? Um, greatest weaknesses. No, I don't. I don't think I have them defined. Okay. Um, it's like probably area specific. Okay. But crimps are always my weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny that people think I like might be okay at them because I'm like not in regards Put, to like you my in a other box, climbing, making making assumptions. Yeah. You're a girl. <laughs> Girls are good at crimping. <laughs> Like, I just wish that was the case for me. (laughs) Be sick. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot of hard crimpy boulders out there. Yeah. Yeah. But like the layering, like what you're saying with um, maybe the macro training plan, I'd say like the micro training plan is like the specific exercises, but the macro training plan would be like the year kind of training. The like six week cycles have been 
pretty important for moving the needle on weaknesses and also strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into that. Let's back up a couple steps though. And, um, just talk about your lifestyle. You've been living in a car, in a van and slash traveling and renting sick Airbnbs <laughs> and Rocklands <laughs> yeah. and other places for the last like four years. Four years, yeah. Without a home base. Since 2019. Same as you, right? We're like... twenty two. Yeah, three and a half for me. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I guess... Wow, yeah. Four years. Four years in the van. Um, but I was in Bend for six months mm. in 2019 to February 2020 is when I hit the road. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I noticed you have the same answer as me when people are like, where are you from? I'm like, You're like uh... uh... <laughs> <laughs> Washington? <laughs> Yeah, I know it's funny. What, <laughs> does anywhere feel like home for you? No, truly no. It's like yeah. really wild. Yeah, like yeah. further, I like spread my time like away from where my dad lives, I guess, is like where I would have considered home during college. Um, like the further away, uh, the further away I get from feeling like I have a home base. I don't know. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, yes. In, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I lived in Bend for seven years before I hit the road. And as time, as more and more time goes on, I just, I have like almost no connection to that place anymore. Like mm-hmm. that place, I thought it would continue to feel like home um, to a greater extent than it has. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a default because my parents still live in the house that I grew up in. So that definitely feels like mm, home. Cool. And my my sister bought a house nearby too. So a lot of my family's in Washington. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my default answer. Um, but it's strange. Yeah, it's strange to think like I don't really know where home is and I don't know where I would land, where I might land. You yeah. Know? Um, and you're just collecting more and more options the more you travel. <laughs> Um, did you, I, I think I remember you telling me in Magic Wood that your parents split during, at some point while you've been traveling on the road. So that yeah. must be even more, um, disorienting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was kind of like the last, like constant in my life since like becoming a climber and like the last thing tying me to like one place. And then as soon as they split, like that kind of disintegrated Hmm. I was like oh like wow how do I feel about this is it comfortable like do I want a home base (laughs) like now it's scary because before it it felt like pretend like I would be traveling and I'm like oh but I can just like go back to this one place where my family is if like shit hits the fan but now it's kind of like well if I (laughs) if shit hits the fan I'm gonna have to like figure it out Mm -hmm. where I want to exist because there isn't like a safe place that's like constant anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if you feel this way. Like, like the places that I do regularly visit feel like home and it's cool to have the sense that you have like many homes. Like when I go back to Joe's Valley, which is like kind of where I had like a lot of my formative climbing experiences, like it actually feels like the feeling of like driving home after like a day out working Mm. or at school or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd like drive back to camp and be like, Oh, I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or like even here, like I drive down this long dirt road to get to this Airbnb, but this is my second year in a row staying in this house. Like feels like I'm driving home. Like Mm. I'll go out and have a work day or a climb day, come back. Yeah. Do you feel like you have multiple homes? For sure. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that way in Waco. That's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Feel that way about Um, Waco too now. 
I feel that way about Estes. That's the second place that comes to mind, which huh. is interesting. She spent the last two summers there or a good chunk of the summer. Um, and then others have kind of like felt that way at times. Like mm-hmm. Bishop felt that way to me at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would now because it's been a while since I've been there. Smith certainly felt like that for a long time. Leavenworth still feels like that. Yeah, Leavenworth was my formative spot. I like, I think I climbed my first V0 through 10, except for V6. Whoa, I didn't they, know they that. They were all in Leavenworth, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, almost V11 too. I like got pretty close on Practitioner. Dude, that climb um, is so sick. In July, one summer. It was so <laughs> stupid. I was trying it at like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> with bad temps. Classic. Um, got kind of close. And then I ended up doing uh, a couple in Rocky before coming back and doing that one in the fall. So I didn't didn't do my first one there, but lots of lots of good memories in Leavenworth. It's cool. Yeah. Do you think I promise we'll get back to training because that's what that's where we were headed. No, um, it's okay. This is do you feel do you have a sense of where you might want to end up? Like that's <laughs> like that's a weird question. Do we yeah. do we do we end up somewhere? Like do you even want that for yourself or do you want to keep doing this lifestyle for a long time? Yeah. Um, I don't have any clue. Yeah. I keep on hoping I'll get a clue. Like the ne- <laughs> the newest place I visit, I'm like, oh, well, like, will this like really rock my world and like yeah. be the place that I just never want to leave? Relatable. Yeah. yeah but I, <clears throat> I think I love like kind of like the seasons, like when winter first starts, you're like, ooh, winter, the cold, snow, so fun. And then like three months in, you're like, get me out of here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And spring's like really welcome. Um, I feel like this lifestyle is really nice because it feels like seasons where like you return to a place and like, like the way I do it is like, I'll generally spend six weeks or longer in a place. And so it feels like you can get a routine and get settled and like be in the same environment for a long time. Um, I like how it feels like, I don't know where I'm living is changing with the seasons a bit. Yeah, so I can't really imagine staying in one place now. Yeah, it was it was quite scary, like transitioning into this lifestyle. Um, I was like going down a very set path. I was working as a PhD student in environmental engineering, and then I started climbing, and it just like blew my mind, and I had to follow that path as far. And deep as it goes. How did you start? Um, Do you remember your first day? My first day climbing? Yeah. Well, I classic, like in middle school, I'd gone to a birthday party. And so I remember okay. it being like really, really fun. I was kind of in the back of my mind of something I'd want to try after my pole vault eligibility ended. Okay. Yeah. So like kind of like first day of grad school, I went to the climbing gym. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Wow. That's cool. You're like, I'm done with this other thing. Middle school me. Yeah. There's this other thing being really cool. Let's go try Let's it again. Let's check it out. Yeah. Wow. And That's then I was like, amazing. oh, confirmed. It's amazing. <laughs> but like, I don't <laughs> nice. think it was like really addicting. It was just like, okay, this is like great. And then I had this friend, Santiago, who was like, like pestering me. Like every day I'd like, he knew a lot more than me. So he was like always hangboarding and like doing all these training things. I'd be like, oh, Santi, what are you up to? what's going on? He'd talk about his outdoor trips. I'm like, oh, what's up with that? He's like, you should come. You should come. You should come. Like every, uh, <laughs> every like weekend he'd invite me. And like, eventually I went, I don't like, I don't know why I was apprehensive, like maybe like hiking or camping. Like I wasn't, I'd never had like a lot of outdoor experience. Sure. Yeah. But I felt like my climbing life truly started when I went outside for the first time. 
was like, I was like, I was blind and now I can see. <laughs> I don't know if you remember your first day outside, but I was like, oh, this is what you're doing every weekend. Like this is, I can't think of anything better mm-hmm. that I could do with my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the nomad lifestyle was like, I like noticed a lot of people around me doing it. It's like, oh, this seems like a cool format, but like in order to pursue that, I'm going to have to like quit my PhD and like let go of this life that I've been building. Um, Yeah. And I did it. (laughs) And I thought it might not last for a long time. I was like, okay, like maybe like six months will go by and I hate it and like I can like get back into my program and it won't be like I've totally destroyed my life. But yeah, the like longer I'm kind of nomadic and traveling for climbing, the more I want to do it, which is cool. Yeah. I think people should pursue that if uh, they have the ability to. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, that's super cool. Um, you found a way to make it really sustainable. Like that's something I'm learning. <clears throat> I'm all, I've also done it way longer than I originally thought I would. That's cool. I don't meet a lot of people like that, actually. I thought I'd meet more people that were on the yeah. road for longer, but yeah, yeah. it feels like the people that I met when I was first on the road are no longer. Mm. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's cool meeting you. Like we've had a similar trajectory Yeah, and similarly still seem to like it. Yeah. I still love it. I'm definitely craving more stability. And I've talked about that on the show. Like I want to mm-hmm. buy a house. I want to have a home base, I think, <laughs> but, but I'm realizing like last summer I spent two months in Estes and got a co-working space and mm. just had like an actual desk for two That's months. Cool. And just yeah. that, was so grounding. <laughs> it blew my mind. And my productivity was way higher because the internet worked all the time. <laughs> and it's crazy when you don't have internet. You don't have to like drive like... <laughs> somewhere weird to go use the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like all these yeah. small things that add yeah. up a lot. They have a moon board there. It's amazing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, hearing you describe your lifestyle, something that I was hung up on a long time, hung up on for a long time was it just didn't occur to me or it like didn't seem like an option to have a training block of indoor rock climbing <laughs> now that I'm finally doing this, you know? It's yeah. like, well, I was dreaming of traveling and climbing outside for like, years. So why like, would I actively stay inside? Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I keep sabotaging my own progression, I think, because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've, I've always kind of been this way, but like, I really like to send. I really try to like <laughs> climb a lot of rock climbs. And I love to try to do everything. Um, but I'm, you know, I've been, I'm always, I'm always that person that's like, let's try to tick everything in the guidebook. Like, let's try to send this whole crag, you know, I'm moving away from that because you're never going to do them all. So just focus on the ones that actually matter to you. (laughs) That's my big lesson. But, um, because of that, I kind of at like the soonest opportunity, I tend to like subtly shift my training to the back burner Mm -hmm. so that I'm fresh to try to send the proj. And even if it's a subtle thing, like this spring, I was like in a training block for five weeks. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I got close on a show of hands, I was like, well, I'll just go a little wider on the, <laughs> yeah. you know, on, on the moonboard. Oh, it's so hard. Whatever. <clears throat> um, and yeah, you kind of blew my mind when you described how you balance training and, and climbing trips. Cause I'm like, wait, you live in a van, but oh, you like, but you're a professional, you have a real job, you're a software engineer. Mm-hmm. So you can afford to like rent an Airbnb and like live in a comfortable place and like train and recover. Yeah. And that's an option. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what is, what is your life? What does your lifestyle look like nowadays? How does that all 
How does that work? <laughs> I mean, like plans end up being imperfect, but I generally strive for like six week to two month blocks of like uh, like sandwiching outdoor trips with indoor training cycles. Um, but I like I think you could get excited about this or anybody that's like has the means and is working remote and has the option to live in different cities is like it's really cool to have different training cycles in different cities. Um, I feel like for me, <laughs> I'm the same way as you. Like if I was close to an outdoor zone where I really wanted to send a boulder, like I would definitely let go of like a training to air two to like try to send that. But it becomes um, less tantalizing when you're like, you're like in the city mindset. Like I'll go to Salt Lake um, often. That's like one of my favorite places to train. But I really like the city and I have some good friends there, but it could happen elsewhere. Like I intend to maybe explore Seattle or go like back to Illinois and spend a training cycle in Chicago. Mm. But like kind of thinking of it like, like I would an outdoor trip or like you're there also for like the other experiences. So mm. like the goal is to indoor train and like, like learn about the city and kind of like test run it, I guess. Like, cause maybe I would want to live there. That's cool to like, yeah, spend these like training cycles in different places. I think it keeps it fresh. And it's not like, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Like I used to be like, oh, well, I can like live remote. Like why wouldn't I always be in a climbing zone? Mm. I think it's cool to like get new plastic setting environments and new boards or like a new gym community or a new vibe. Um, and there's like a lot to be learned from like shaking it up yeah. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Where and it you, stokes the fire. Like, like I'm cool. like really itching to get outside after that cycle. But like, <laughs> it sounds like you're also maybe in the hole here, but like, I'm really tired after trying really hard on mm -hmm. really hard rock climbs here. And I'm really excited to like have an indoor training block <laughs> mm -hmm. after this. Yeah. I, I, one thing that I'm curious about is how do you transition back into the next training block coming off a trip? Because that's something I always struggle with. Like I, Unless I'm like injured, I very rarely like ramp up <laughs> as slowly as I should. Yeah. Um, what does that look like for you? Like if you're, yeah, what, what are you going to do after this trip? Because you're coming to the end, right? You've got like a couple more climbing days. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have two more climb days left, which is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I have like a rough plan for the rest of my year. So like I know I want to go back to Waco and I think I want to take a trip to Red Rock. So, and there's like specific climbs I want to try there. And so... I'll start to make a list of like, okay, like what skills do I want to boost for those climbs? And like, what do I feel like was really lacking in this trip um, to Rocklands or like in the, in this last cycle that I should work in or improve on? And I have like a little notebook. I write everything down and kind of like lay out the plan for the next training cycle. And then just try to like execute on that as best as I can. How do you not overdo it? Because you're, I mean, you're going from like a training block to a performance block to a training block to a performance block, like in perpetuity. So yeah. where does the, when do you rest? <laughs> How does, <laughs> you, you don't. I'm like admittedly bad at it. I mean, you just, I, I guess it makes sense though. Like maybe, yeah, like maybe um, because you have a unique program every time, mm -hmm. it sounds like more or less, um, you just slowly ramp into the new skills mm -hmm. and the new things that you're working on. Yeah, totally. Okay. That's cool. Cause something I always struggle with is like, 
I, you know, I have training blocks that have worked. Mm-hmm. Like this worked really well, do this again. Mm-hmm. And then if I do it again, I have a competition with myself and <laughs> I try to like break all my PRs. Oh, it's so hard. You know, yeah. week one or whatever. Yeah. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but but I, I fall into that trap a lot where I'm like, I've done all this before. I don't want to start where I started last time because then I won't surpass all my previous bests. Uh-huh. It's the wrong way of thinking yep, about competing it. Competing with yourself. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard not to do that. I mean, I I will fall into that too. But I think for me, it's like recognizing that I might not be as tuned up in like that particular exercise after a training stint outside. So like just tr- trying hard in the exercise, like, like for hangboarding, like I'm sure I'll get back to the States and like some metrics will be worse than when I left. Some might be better. I'm kind of excited to see. But like, if I decide to do a similar exercise as before, just and the the target of that exercise was to like try 90% or like hang the smallest edge I could. Like maybe that edge won't be as small as I did before. But if I'm still like trying to reach that limit, I've like made the goal for the day. So it's kind of like relative. It's like auto-regulated. It's auto-regulated. Yeah, that's okay. a good way of putting it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I think the intensity like naturally decreases and in- increases with like what I'm able to do. Yeah. Which also guarantees that I'm like trying the right amount as I progress through the cycle too. If it's like always relative to like, I want to try 90%. If I'm feeling like sick or bad or particularly good, like that 90% could be different. Mm. Um, depending on the day. It's not like I have to hang 20 pounds. Mm. If I hang 19, I'm worse. (laughs) Do you stick with the plan for the day no matter what and you just scale it to however you're feeling? No, like like injury is the enemy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if I feel like something is, um, has potential to like be injurious or like really set me back in that way, I'll cut it. Yeah. I think that's like... (laughs) Me being like an older climber, I don't know. It feels weird saying like 28 <laughs> could be old, but it seems like it these days. Oh, I don't com- know. <laughs> compared to freaking yeah. Adam and Austin. Yeah. 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 Like the goal is to just try to like get like up to the limit without getting too close to it. Yeah. Yeah. To like fall into injury. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's really smart for so many reasons. Like you have a full-time job, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not like a trust funder. Yeah, have to work. Um, yeah, people like don't realize that. I only post climbing on my Instagram, and it kind of like <clears throat> people like, oh, you work like fifty to sometimes like sixty hour weeks. Like I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I got a comment just <laughs> today. I got a DM from somebody, and they were like, "Hey, love the show, um, you know." But you, my only critique, and I'm like, great. I wasn't asking you for. <laughs> Your only critique, but okay. But my only critique is that you have way too many privileged people or you have like a huge disproportionate amount of privileged people on the show. And it'd be cool if you had some more like regular people who still climb hard, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure. Like it's a, it's a privilege to be able to come to South Africa. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so I'm interviewing a lot of people that are able to do that, but Mm -hmm. I was kind of looking through my list and thinking about it. And I was like, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of professional climbers because this is a performance climbing show. Totally. But most of the people I talk to and meet mm-hmm. work really hard to be able to do this. And it comes in all different shapes and forms. Like totally. my friend Forrest, you know, he 
busts his ass as like a firefighter all summer and and other people yeah have other seasonal work and you know Carlos and Steph are teachers and this is like their one big trip per year and yeah um and yeah you work your ass off um working remotely it's just you're able to travel and do it wherever mm-hmm. do it from wherever you want but totally anyway I was the point I was getting to is that um the six week training trip I've realized that through talking to you actually that the thing that kind of is wearing me down is more just the work and trying to keep up with all the podcast stuff as it grows um, mm-hmm. while I travel and live on the road. Because like being at the co-working space, everything felt dead easy. Yep. I had leisure time yeah. in my life all of a sudden. <laughs> I had like social time uh-huh. all of a sudden. I was training a lot. I got way stronger, got all my work done, got ahead. I was like, this is really, really nice. And then like <laughs> I was able to carry that energy into like a six-week trip where I didn't have to work that much. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was amazing. That's cool. But then I kept going on the trip until I was like behind on work and got really stressed. <laughs> and then, you know, the whole thing fell apart. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really cool uh, strategy. Yeah. It's hard to know when like that sort of burnout is building. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten mm-hmm. better at it. I've definitely failed at it too. Like, <laughs> I think it's like simple things when like your internet's not working. So it's like a mad dash to like figure out the coffee shops that have good internet or like figure out, I don't know, as soon as you don't have like the critical elements, you're devoting a lot more energy to like trying to like fill those needs and then Mm -hmm. it can get exhausting, which I understand is probably why people like that might have the ability to exist all the time on the road don't yeah, because it's a lot of extra effort in some ways. I think life is like 30% less efficient in the van. Dude, I know. It's like really like thinking about like getting water or like yeah. silly, like yeah. oh, I'm cold tonight. Like or, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> or like my fridge can only fit like six things, yeah. so I have to go to the store every yeah. other day. <laughs> yeah, or like, uh, yeah, maybe TMI, but like people are like, oh, like I don't have a bathroom in my van, so like all of a sudden thinking about like oh yeah, how to even like do the like very basic like human needs like yep. showering and going to the bathroom. <laughs> totally. Yep. Where am I going to start my day? Yeah. Go poop at Starbucks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or wherever. For real though. Yeah. <clears throat> Where do you stay when you're in cities? Um, I'll I'll book apartments or Airbnbs or whatever. Like, there's like a couple hacks. Um, I think Furnish Finder might just be exclusively for travel and nursing now, but I used to use that, which is like you could rent rooms in people's homes. But mm. there's like, it takes like again extra effort, but there's ways to find like cheap rooming situations. Um, it's nice having friends in cities. Like I stay with a coworker in Salt Lake, mm. which is amazing and like rent the room for a month or two. That's cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the training cycles, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know what it's like to live in a van in a city. It's like not as fun as living in a van in a beautiful, natural place. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. So it's I rough. try to live in a house, which really makes it like more sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that for me, that like makes it or, or, or breaks it. Like I would never, I just couldn't go live in Salt Lake in my van. I just would not be able to do it. Yeah. I did it for like a week one year and was like, never again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, it's interesting. I'm, um, my, something I'm realizing just right now is that, um, you know, I started off doing the podcast as a dirt bag because I had to be Mm -hmm. like, I was totally you know, I was making zero money on the podcast for the first year plus and just had money saved up. So 
that wasn't an option. And I've, it's been like a really slow transition to where mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, I'm a professional. I can be a professional. I can't yeah. have to, you know, I don't have to buy the, find the cheapest camping or try to find free camping or, um, I can actually, I can actually do some of these things or like here, you know, I, I could have rented my own car. It didn't even, <laughs> it literally didn't occur to me because that just seems too, it just seems like too, you know, I don't know, too extra- extravagant or too luxurious to have my own car yeah. just overkill. Cause I'm a climber, right? Like mm-hmm. we're always so good at, um, at being frugal and, and all that. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's something I'm, I'm learning is like for me to make this sustainable, doing some of the things that you're doing are, are really smart and it's probably time to shift towards that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd, I, there's probably a point where it's extravagant and I'm sure people would look at my life and think it's extravagant. Like I have a van. Why do I need to like live in a apartment sometimes? But um, I guess it's like you have to make yourself comfortable and there's not really a point to make yourself uncomfortable if you have like ways to make yourself more comfortable, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, some suffering is is admirable or well, like it, lesson learning or or whatever. I mean, yeah. I think some things just come with other things. Like the whole thing scales, right? Like the whole experience mm-hmm. scales where if you are a software engineer and you have a real grown-up job and you're working 50 or 60 hours a week, mm-hmm. you have the means and it's also a total necessity to have a comfortable setup to work. Yeah. Whereas if you're a dirtbag and you don't have a job, it's a lot easier to live in a crappy little car. Like if you're working full time, that sucks. That's yeah. really awful. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an, it's an interesting life situation that we're in. Cause I don't often meet people on the road that are like in the middle situation of like still living in a van, but not like on retirement money or not in like the dirtbag scenario mm. of like, like actively working full time yeah. in a van, mm-hmm. like kind of requires some like, yeah, like putting extra money in consideration towards like a good workspace mm-hmm. or um yeah getting some of those needs met. You and Brian are my inspiration. You're like show, <laughs> you're like showing the rest of us the way. It's it's been awesome to see yeah, yeah. how you guys go about your trip here. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wonderful Pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. And I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff. Something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, That's my favorite, super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good. You literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends, or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, Fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. And now back to the show. Let's dig into your training block. 
So is each training block unique? Like, do you, it sounds like you pick a few facets that you want to work on, Mm -hmm. build a plan around those. Are there key elements or ingredients in those training plans? Are you drawing on your background in gymnastics and incorporating any sort of structure? Do you think about like energy systems and strength and power and working on different things? Or is it just like, there's these three things I'm not very good at or want to be better at for this goal? Mm. Let's just focus on those. What? How do, how do you put the plan together? Um, I'd say like the specifics are unique each training block, but I'm always trying to address like what I consider like main categories. So like I'm always trying to increase power. I'm always trying to increase finger strength and I'm always trying to increase like my available volume. But those are so broad, like, like maybe in like trying to increase my power, it'll be like, I'll achieve that with um, certain moves on my home wall. If I'm at my home wall, uh, that you have I built, a home wall at your dad's place. Yeah, that I built during the pandemic. <laughs> um, or like maybe I'll achieve that through um, like the campus board or something. So I think like the specifics change each time depending on what I need or like maybe I listen to like an amazing compelling podcast or like a like compelling piece of YouTube media or whatever that I want to incorporate something new for that cycle that I think is like more advantageous than what I previously used. But yeah, I think the general like themes stay the same. I just try to like iterate Mm -hmm. (laughs) every cycle. So like, um, like a new one for me has been like incorporating weightlifting. I didn't do it for a while because I hated doing it in college for pole vaulting. And (laughs) I just, I I don't know. I wasn't convinced that it had like a place in my training because it does like take a lot of, um, like, I'm not, I'm not like a (laughs) sports science person, so I don't know the correct term for this, but like, like metabolic load or like your body's like really drained from doing powerlifting Mm, and that like takes away your ability to apply that in like a climbing context right yeah but like central nervous system fatigue nice for sure that yeah (laughs) um but like iterating on like how power powerlifting like plays a role in my climbing training so like that's been like a constant over the last few training cycles, but it's been like a little different each time. Mm. Like, oh, I think I like overdid it or like, oh, that wasn't specific enough or like, oh, I think like I should cut the fat on this. Like, I don't need to be doing like these five additional exercises. I can just drill down to like, I'm pretty sure like Romanian deadlifts address like my knees kind of, my knees and legs like needing some extra support. Mm. I'll do those. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't also have to be doing split squats and all sorts of yeah, yeah, like the whole suite of things. Yeah, because you only you have like a finite amount of energy that you can and should give in any given training day, and so like the goal is to spend it as best and efficiently as you can Mm -hmm. to like reach the goal that you've set. So like whether that's like broadly getting better at bouldering or like like being able to do a particular boulder. Um, I guess those could like be aligned, but sometimes they might be different. Like you might have to take a hit in like being better at bouldering in general if you want to get specifically good for mm. like some very unique style of climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is most of your climbing in one of these cycles board climbing? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say probably 
all of my climbing is focused around board climbing, but that's because I think it's like the most fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it, I mean, that's such a, such a theme mm-hmm. here in Rocklands for sure. And just like across the podcast lately in general. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely interviewed people that have gotten really strong climbing on commercial sets mm-hmm. as well, like some root setters that come to mind, but um, totally, a lot of people focus on boards and it, it just seems to transfer to rock climbing really well. Yeah, I've noticed that too. The thing that I can't resolve though, and like maybe one of your guests have had an answer for this is like like some like a boulder like full throttle. It's like so mm. three-dimensional. Like I don't know if anything that I'm doing on a board would like adequately simulate that movement. Mm. And so like maybe like there is a hole to fill there that board climbing can't. Yeah, yeah. Can't address. Yeah, that's interesting. Sorry for the people watching. This is it's getting dark out here, but I don't I don't have lights. So I think it just is what it is. But the podcast will sound the same. <laughs> yeah, the lights coming on inside really like Yeah. Show it happens. It happens so slowly. Here. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're in the dark now. <laughs> yep. We're in the dark. Yeah. Now, when did sure. that transition great, great happen? Video I content. don't know. Yeah. Great content for YouTube. <laughs> um your warm up, finally, yeah. an hour and fifteen minutes later. <laughs> let's talk about your long ass, your long ass warm up. <laughs> where did this come from? Are there like, yeah, where did this come? Where did this? Come I from? mean, it probably came from like fifty to sixty sources. It's hard to say. Oh wow, okay. So this isn't like your go to gymnastics or like no. pole vaulting warm up. No, something. it's for sure like a mosaic of like okay. things I've taken from either friends or professionals, listening to podcasts, listening to YouTube videos. Some of it's from gymnastics some of it's from pole vaulting that like is just probably just generally good for warming up Mm -hmm. but yeah i have a long ass warm-up which i get like like uh people kid kid me a lot about it (laughs) but it's not gonna change it (laughs) i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go faster (laughs) how long does it take um like when i'm not distracted like 30 minutes yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah it's like it's like a mosaic of of things I've gotten from friends. Some of it's like, oh, I think I might get injured in this way. Like I need to warm that up. Like, like my knees aren't ready for heel hooking out the gates. So I do like a series of knee warmups that generally target anything around that zone. Can you show me those? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can <could, I> <laughs> yeah. use those on Black Shadow. Yeah. Ethan has this, he keeps saying this <laughs> about Rocklands. Like he feels like his hips need to warm up, like his hips and mm. legs and mm-hmm. Um, and things need to warm up a lot. And I'm, at first I was like, what are you talking about? And trying Black Shadow, I'm like, I totally get it. Yeah. The boulder, everything on it feels really hard and weird for like the first hour. And then, and then you're warmed just up. <laughs> clicking and like the moves start to feel easy. And yeah. it's all like hips and yeah, knees and being able to pull on heel hooks in weird positions, mm-hmm. bunchy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, and yeah. definitely for like, like you can predict like what your body needs from Black Shadow, but like maybe you're trying something for the first time and you like don't know mm. in what particular way it might tweak you. Mm. Kind of want to be like ready for, ready to like have your body try as hard as you want it to try Yeah. without like risking injuring it. Cause that's just like, 
that's so silly. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many injuries happen because like somebody didn't warm up something and like that's so preventable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, once again, injury is the enemy. Yeah, totally. And my warmups, like I want them to guarantee. I mean, there's probably a point where they're too long. I don't think 30 minutes is too long though. But like the goal is to guarantee that like <laughs> within reason I'm not getting injured mm-hmm. because I'm not warm in a certain way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a video of it that we can share? <laughs> I mean, I have the really sped up. <laughs> I have the really sped up version. Okay, I'll it's share funny, that because like, it's funny. <laughs> I like. I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna film my whole warm up and I'm gonna like turn it into like a cute little reel for Instagram, and then I like film the whole thing and sped it up by like five times. I was like, surely that's enough. And then it was like a three minute long video. I was like, damn it. And then I sped it up to like ten times, and it still wasn't enough. It's like, oh god, this can't live on the internet just looks too ridiculous to speed it up <laughs> as much as it needs to fit into yeah, like a it's 60 hilarious. seconds. <laughs> it's hilarious. There's certain ones like the leg kicks and the arm, <laughs> the arm full length, like when your arms are straight and you're doing like shoulder rotations or whatever. Yeah, those yeah. look hilarious. Those look really funny. But yeah, it's mostly like dynamic stretching, some mm-hmm. pull-ups, some finger stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say there's a like wide, there's stages. Array. Okay. Yeah. Like the first stage is like like dynamic sort of stretching, like yoga stretching. Second stage is like bands, like shoulder bands. Um, and like doing like pull-up sort of stuff. Um, the third stage is like getting my fingers ready on a block. I know you do this too, but like the tin deck has been game changing for me lately. That's been my newest warm-up mm. gadget. Yeah, super. It's cool. like a force gauge for people that don't know <laughs> what Use a tin deck is. For- <laughs> ten ten dollars off, I think. Yeah, sick. I love that thing. I, I love thing. it. Yeah, yeah. That's been like great for assessing how warm my <clears> fingers are. Um, and then like if there's no warm up around the prod, I'll like pull onto moves on the prod. That's a thing. And here. just hold positions. Yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of warm up options at most of the places. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a good skill to have to be able to warm up really thoroughly mm-hmm. off the rock. <clears throat> yeah, it takes like yeah, you have to warm up a lot more if you're immediately revving to like your limit (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask you this a minute ago and maybe it ties in here um maybe it's part of your warm-up you you know another thing that's really smart about your approach is six weeks like there's that's just not a very long time between training blocks so Mm. you're never going to lose very much and you Mm -hmm. can like immediately build on the strength that you built last time yeah um which i've had a hard time figuring out how to do mm-hmm. living my lifestyle. So that's cool. I've kind of like played more and more with like, how do I train a little bit on these longer trips mm-hmm. to try to build strength over time? But honestly, it's like, it's kind of hard. I don't know if it's working that well. Yeah. Um, it's not you, as fun either. No, it's not that fun. <laughs> it's not that fun to do like a hangboard yeah. workout before you go bouldering in Rocklands um, or to do all the other shit. Um are you doing any sort of finger training or or supplemental training or anything besides just besides just using your tin deck to warm up? No. None. Yeah. I've like thought about it. I like the idea of it and then I've never executed on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think I just like it's funner to just like keep those worlds separate. Mm. Like you said, like six weeks isn't really enough to lose things that you've gained from training. Yeah. Um especially yeah. if you're climbing really hard the whole time (laughs) maybe i mean but you can still like get tunneled into like one type of move or yeah 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 so hard to say like maybe that's something i should incorporate (laughs) 
I haven't played around with it yet though. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> besides like, aside from like pulling really hard on a tension block before climbing, I haven't seen anyone do really anything else out here. Like mm-hmm. I've seen a few people do that. They'll use the tension block or something similar, warm up, do a few, you know, do a few hard pulls in a crimp or whatever, mm-hmm. and then go back and then day. rally <laughs> and then ju- immediately jump on a V13. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no one's, no one seems to be doing much supplemental other stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People might just be too psyched. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's like, it's a, you know, Waco's kind of like this too. It's like a really physical area. It's mm-hmm. easy to already be doing too much. So adding more doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. You found the way, Jen. I don't know. I mean, I'm not like <laughs> the best climber. I'm very, very, very far from being the best climber. So who knows? It's like a way for sure. <laughs> it's a way. Well, it seems to be working for you. It seems like Thanks, dude. it seems like um, you're on a path that's going to take you like really far. I hope so. It seems I mean, sustainable. It seems like you're getting noticeably better every year. Do you feel that way? I feel that way. Yeah. This year has been tough because it's been like it was like <laughs> the V grade progression was very logical and happened like once a year for a while. And now I've like, I haven't climbed above the 11, which I feel like I can, which is the frustrating thing. I feel like I could do like the right V13, but it just hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Although I feel definitionally better. So it's, yeah, it's hard to like uh, distance yourself from V grades when mm-hmm. you're defining like if you've gotten better or if you've evolved in the in a direction that you're hoping to evolve in and climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of nuance. Yeah. Are you already thinking about your next trip and what you're going to focus on in this next block? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I don't know. It's like so fun to plan and dream and hope. Like that's like what makes failing palatable is like being like, ah, oh, that's okay. Like I can still try hard and I can still like come back or I can still like try that other thing. There's like a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like a fun challenge to like really think critically about what your deficits were and like like plan for the future, let yourself dream. Um, so yeah, like I'm absolutely already planning for Waco and Red Rocks. <laughs> nice. And like when I get to Waco and Red Rocks, I'll be absolutely planning for Rocklands next year. <laughs> <laughs> what are what are some key areas that you're going to focus on? I have terrible endurance and the things that I want to try um, require that. So I'll be trying to hack um, the endurance component or the power endurance component a little more. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's something I like started to work on for the first time. Like, um, I just started incorporating four by fours before this trip, and it felt like it really, really leveled up a couple things. Not just endurance, but like, like my capacity mm. in general, which was really cool. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to experiment with that more. Yeah, yeah. Coming, coming back to the old four by four. Yeah, old classic. I haven't done those since like. Well, I did. I did some of those in my mid twenties, maybe in Bend, but um, but yeah. So I feel like peak, like college was like peak four by four popularity, <laughs> and now it's like it's, it's making died. it's making a resurgence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is which is cool. <clears throat> well, but okay. The caveat is like I do them on my home wall, and like mostly the like length of my boulders on my home wall are like four moves. So mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that's like a 16 move boulder. Uh-huh. <laughs> one one gym boulder. Oh, we have a visitor maybe. What's happening on the, on the roof? 
<clears throat> yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I know. So I target my four by four is based on like the boulder length I anticipate. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's hard to do some of these things in a commercial gym. Mm -hmm. Doing like four laps on a 12 move or 16 move cave boulder. Yeah. Might yeah. as well be still climbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Yeah, it's it's really hard with sets. You just can't predict sets. I get if you're mm -hmm. a setter, like you could craft what you need. But if you're like at the whims of whatever the setting team wants to put up, it's a lot harder to get predictable outcomes. Mm -hmm. Boards yeah. are great. Boards are great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's six forty-five. Mm -hmm. We have. Do we have a hard stop at seven? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I have a bunch of rapid fire questions that are fun. Okay. And then some wrap up questions that are more about, um, whatever, more, yeah, a little bit deeper Yeah. questions again. Anything you want to touch on that we haven't hit before moving into some fun rapid mm. fire questions? I don't know how to work this in, but like, I would love to talk about, like, I've been thinking about this like a lot more and it's hard for like to talk about this part of my life without it sounding like an ad, but it's truly not like probably my biggest project right now that I'm putting most of my soul into, even more than my climbing. And that feels like a larger extension of my love for climbing is my role with Kaya. Hell like yeah. we are just... <laughs> what like, is Kaya for people that haven't heard of it? Um, it's a, a climbing company. Um, we make... A mobile app and we also make a route setting software but the mobile app is kind of like a combination of like mountain project a day instagram it kind of wraps up some like social elements with like uh, the thing that i'm really passionate about is our guidebooks we partner with like existing guidebook authors of of major areas in the states and um, squamish so far and so like uh, yeah, creating like a digital space for climbing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's like, it's hard to say what Kaya is because <laughs> we do like a lot of things. But like what it is, is like nine people that make up the company that are like, like we just truly want to create something that's valuable for the climbing community mm. and something that like betters the community. And like, like me and my coworker are here in this Airbnb and like a lot more of my mental energy has been devoted to that this trip than my climbing but it's like related to climbing mm. so I don't know like <laughs> like how that fits into this podcast but it's like it's been like my biggest project that's awesome yeah yeah it's super cool for people that haven't used it I actually haven't I don't even know if I've used it I've played with it maybe on someone else's phone a little bit um but imagine like going to a new bouldering area you can pull up a guidebook for that area in the app, find a pin, a GPS pin for the boulder you want to go to, find it really easily with good directions, pull up beta videos if they're available for that boulder, yeah. um, send the boulder, log it right there in the app. It's just like an all-in-one yeah. um, place for for that part of your climbing experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, still... Su super cool tool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's fun to create. I'm not getting fun. paid to say any of this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying thank you for saying it it's like yeah, cool to hear what people think of it like it started as a small thing and it's getting to be a bigger thing but we're still like a super small team with like really big goals and like 
the goal is to create something that people love and people like want to interact with and connects the climbing community and like makes things more accessible, makes beta more accessible, like <laughs> regardless of your size and height or gender or whatever, makes areas more accessible, like not gatekeeping like certain areas, like doing it responsibly, like honoring guidebook authors. I don't know. It's just, it's cool to get to interact with climbing off the wall in this way. Yeah. And I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. And yeah, what's what's your role? I mean, you're one of, it's you and Mark, right? Basically that are like the, I don't know. I don't even know. It's okay. The no. top engineers, the. No, no, me, me, <laughs> Mark and Brian are the engineering team, but okay. there's nine people total in the company, mm-hmm. but we're all like, we're like the best of friends. Like we travel together. It's like, it's truly like a group project. Like our, yeah, <laughs> spend like basically every waking hour thinking about how to make it good <laughs> and executing on trying to make it good. That's super cool. And traveling together and ideating together. And that's why I'm here in Rocklands and why I'm able to be here in Rocklands because people in my company recognize that that's like the lifeblood of climbing is mm. being able to be free in this way. Yeah. But. What's what's the next like feature or thing that you're excited about? With with Kaya mm. working on or <laughs> I if think it's, if it's proprietary, I, I understand. I, it might be proprietary actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know, but maybe not. Like, <clears throat> I think we intend to to see what creative ways, like a digital app that a lot of people use. I think we have like close to two hundred thousand users, but it would be cool if like a lot of the majority of outdoor climbers in like America, for example, used it, and we can integrate like like stewardship features in that, mm. like like etiquette about trails or like better trail data so that people aren't trampling over mm. like sensitive areas or like weather reporting tools could be like a good example of that. Like like sandstone areas are really sensitive after a rain and it's really hard to tell if it's like rained in like, like left fork in Joe's Valley and not right fork because mm. sometimes that happens. Right. So like giving people the ability to like report on that or like guidebook authors to like report access issues. Like I'm really excited about that because that could actually have an impact as climbing grows. But that requires like people to buy in. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. But huh. it's, yeah, like as there's a lot of software engineers in climbing, but it's like a rare and like really privileged experience to get to like use my skill set towards making climbing mm. hopefully better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool, super rewarding. <clears throat> and yeah, it's like your job to be here. Yeah. That's so cool. Truly. <laughs> <That's> so sick. <laughs> yeah, same with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we yeah. have very parallel lives. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super awesome. Um, anything else on that note before no, no. switching Thank gears Thank you for here? letting me shout that out. Of like, course, yeah. Yeah. No, you guys are killing it. And <laughs> I like everyone that I've met a lot on the team. I, I, I'm sure I haven't met um, most of your team yet, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like you, you guys, <laughs> yeah, it seems like you guys yeah. are just a really cool group and have your priorities straight. You yeah. Know? You should come split an Airbnb with us. <laughs> Sick. I would love that. <laughs> maybe that's the, maybe that's my next move. Um, rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Favorite rock type. Oh my. Granite. Maybe. <laughs> Granite. Maybe. Uh, I'm a little surprised actually. 
Uh, there's like a favorite rock I like to touch and favorite rock that I like to look at. And they're different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> favorite rock that I like to touch is granite because like I just like love that you have to like perfectly get all your fingers correctly on crystals. And it's mm. kind of like a game of subtlety. Mm. Yeah. I, I like, like I love that. Yeah. But favorite rock to look at probably Rocklands. I don't quite know what this rock is yeah yeah but like good lord some of these holds and what they're shaped like are so cool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can't believe you get to grab them and that just exists in nature yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's funny yeah coming i mean we both came from magic wood to here and Uh um yeah i i feel like i connect really strongly with what you're saying like i climbed better in magic wood i've always climbed well on granite and i I think it's because of exactly what you're describing, the subtlety. And I just feel like my skill set just goes further mm-hmm. on granite and yeah. it's rewarding and I, I love it. And it's close to my heart because I started climbing in Leavenworth. But then here you're just like, well, this is obviously the best bouldering in the world. Like it's <laughs> obviously the best place ever. Yeah. But like, I don't know if I I don't know. Like I'm it's taking mm-hmm. it's taking me a while to like it as it's like having to grow on me. I kind yep. of thought I would instantly uh-huh. be just 100%. It's tough. Psyched, it's a tough it's, style. Yeah, it's a unique style. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. What I like about granite, and I think maybe this is like an engineering thing, which maybe you can like um, also get on board with, is like you can always like think better on granite. Mm. Like you don't necessarily like need to go home and like get stronger. Mm-hmm. Like you can always like optimize a little more or grab a hold a little better or like get down with the nuance a little more and get like a little bit more out of the granite climb. Totally, exactly. <laughs> but like place That's like Rocklands, it's like if you just can't jump between those two holds, you just can't jump between those two holds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you can't hang from the hold you're jumping to, you're probably not going to be able to stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well said. <clears throat> Ultimate dream climb. Ooh. We can do, let's do here since we're here. Okay. And you're... I'm sure you're coming back. Uh-huh. Um, and then in general, do you have an ultimate ultimate Rocklands dream climb? Um, probably Ray of Light. Yeah, just because it's like been kind of this thread through me being like a baby climber to now. So yeah. it would kind of like be a distinct mark of that evolution. That's yeah. cool. It's funny. I, I also have a V13 like that and it's uh, the teacup in Leavenworth. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I just Oh, remember, you should try it. I mean, I've been climbing at Forestland like as long as I've been a climber and it was just always something I was, I, I knew was there. Yeah. You know, like you always heard about the teacup, like, uh-huh. oh, it's up the hill. It's V13. It's yeah. the hardest thing yeah. at the time, you know? That's sick. Um, yeah, it's it's fun to have that like special connection to. Wow, that's super climb. sick. Yeah, just you should gotta, try it this season. Yeah, yeah, I've tried it a little bit. It's okay. hard as fuck. I, I definitely <laughs> felt like I needed to level up a lot, but um, but I should I should go try it again. Cool, it's been a while. Um, what about in general? Oh boy, Ultimate dream climb globally. That's a really tough one. It is. There's a lot of rocks out there. Yeah. I don't think I have like one. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't have one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of ties. Like, like I have one of each area probably like in Joe's like black lung would be sick. it for that. Like Bishop, maybe the swarm Squamish, maybe like the reckoning. <laughs> nice. 
Um, but I think like I would really, I'm really inspired by like meaningful first female ascents. That was like a big inspiration. Like when I, uh, first got into like the outdoor climbing world and it would be really cool to like unlock a boulder um as a woman yeah love that so i don't know what that will be but like th that's a huge goal <laughs> well, we can yeah we can start with full throttle and we'll just go from there <laughs> <laughs> um sick good answers favorite send reward <laughs> like like a treat sure <laughs> um Probably a Joe's Valley donut. <laughs> I had this, oh my God, like it's gotten to be a little toxic. Um, I had this like rule with myself. So I started climbing in Joe's when I like could only climb V6. And so then it was like every new V6 I climb, I get a donut. But then like I would just, as I got better at climbing, <laughs> I would like seek out like the shistiest V6s. Like I would go out of my way to like yeah. Just V6s? Just just to get a donut, you know? Yeah. Like, that was the rule. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, climb a new V6, was get a six, donut. Was it six or harder, or was it just six? Six or harder, yeah. Okay, yeah but yeah, then yeah. it had to be like, okay, it has to be like V8 or harder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like V10 or harder. And so, like, I have to keep moving the needle. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I move the needle so that, like, the donut is like a sweet reward. <laughs> it's not like something I can get all the time. <laughs> right, right. I remember my yeah. friends, my friends Dylan and Sam, um, they lived in Bend and we were all climbing at Smith together. And I remember they had this rule where if one of them sent 12C or harder, they could get ice cream. <laughs> and they were like, it's kind of a problem. Like we're climbing really well this season. And so we're having a shit ton of ice cream, having a shit ton of ice cream, but it's like kind of auto-regulating where we're having so much ice cream that it's like starting to make it. And then we climb kind of bad and <laughs> yeah. then we don't have as much ice cream and then we climb kind of good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, That's amazing. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it, I'm, yeah, they crush. They'd probably have to use a way higher grade now. That's sweet. <laughs> or they just get to have ice cream every day. Yeah. Uh, go to breakfast. Mm. Depends on the place, but I freaking love Kodiak cakes. Like mm. there is not a better breakfast in the world in my van <laughs> than like, like I'm picturing like nice. being in Bishop, like parked at the buttermilks. So I would always just like open my van doors oh, and make. so good. Kodiak cakes, particularly the like almond poppy seed, if you can get a hold of those. <laughs> mm, nice. I haven't had yeah. those. Ones. With with Greek yogurt on the top and then drizzled with maple syrup. Like somehow nice. it's like the most protein you'll ever get. But also it gives kind of like a pastry vibe, like a Danish when you put the Greek yogurt on top. Oh yeah. Greek yogurt with <laughs> like with maple syrup or honey yeah. in it oh, is so all of a sudden good. just like this creamy, sweet, delicious frosting. Yep. On something like yep. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Super good. Health frosting. Health frosting. <laughs> uh, go to climbing shoes if you could only pick one pair. Oh, the uh, solution comps. Yeah. They're yeah. just the kings for me. Nice. Yep. Thought you were going to say that. <laughs> what would you consider? I think you answered this already. What would you consider to be one of your home crags or to be your home crag? Joe's um, Valley? Yeah. Joe's is probably like where my heart has been the most. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, uh, earlier in the conversation, I said I like quit my PhD and like just started nomad life. But like before my van, that was that looked hilarious. Like I was tent lifing. It was nice. not glorious. It's still not very glorious. My van long? is not nice. I think I was tent lifing for like maybe a couple months. It died in Squamish 
with <laughs> a series of unfortunate events. But <laughs> were you working like, already? Yeah, I was working for Kaya. Um, no, no, that happened um, much later. How did you become? I'm sorry. This is such a such an out of left field question at this point in the interview. But how <laughs> how did you become a software engineer? Did you like self educate? Yeah just online or just taking courses and stuff? Um, I had a really unique and amazing situation and I'm very grateful for that privilege. But um, I had, I was doing my PhD in environmental engineering and I had this grant um, that me and my advisor won for me to work in Utah at this biotech company. And so like right around that time, I was like just climbing outside for the first time. And so I like moved to Utah for this grant like the whole project falls through because of like external things. But I had like part of the grant was that I had to like, <laughs> like exist in Utah. So I like, I was like, cool, like Joe's Valley is a place to climb. So I like went down to Joe's Valley, like tent life, lived there the whole time and like met all these software engineers and was like, this seems really, really rad. Like what you're doing seems really interesting. Like I'm really curious about it. Like I think I just got to go pursue it. And so then, like, the that term ended in Utah, and I went back to Illinois where I was doing my PhD, and I told my advisor of, like, this extreme life change that I was thinking of, and he was like, I'll try to enable that for you. Wow. And so I, like, left the research group as a PhD student, and I rejoined it as a software engineer because mm. he had a project that he needed to fill that required software engineering. And so I kind of, like, learned through that project like on the job, but wow. it was like a really amazing project. And Sick. I learned like all the skills I needed um, to do my job at Kaya. Nice. Yeah. So this is the greatest gift I've ever been given. Wow. Probably. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've um, yeah. Congrats on making the most of it, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like, I like these two questions. If you were stuck on a desert island, <laughs> But magically, you had a DVD player. Oh, my God. I heard this in your last episode. <laughs> it's, it's a DVD player. Yeah. And one DVD. Uh-huh. So you have to be careful with it because if it gets scratched, it's done. You okay. can never watch it again. What movie would you choose and why? Oh, I wish I had a better answer because when I heard this question a little bit ago, I was like really thinking about it. I think it would have to be like Planet Earth. Planet Earth. Oh, sick. Yeah. Good answer. Like, I don't. I don't the, think the it, David Attenborough yeah. series, uh-huh. BBC, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I think like it would need to be something that doesn't necessarily have a storyline because like that's a really good answer. Yeah, wow. I, I couldn't pick like one flavor of story that yeah. I want over and over again, but like yeah. something that's like kind of like base base nature, mm-hmm. <laughs> like nature and it's most beautiful and <laughs> yeah, and you're like, like snow. I just want to yeah, see snow yeah. again. Yeah, I, I think I can watch that again. <laughs> over and over again. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Soundtrack's compelling. Well, well David done. Attenborough, I could listen to that voice forever. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you say again? I, <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> I think I said I think I said a Knight's Tale last time I answered. Oh my question. god, I love that. But I mean, it would get so old. Yeah. So <laughs> I think your answer is better than mine. That's really smart. Um what about music? Favorite album to listen to on a long drive or mm. to get hyped up for climbing? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> my favorite type of music to get hyped up for climbing is like 80s jams. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's particularly hype, but like a road trip. Like what kinds of 80s jams? 
like 80s rock um no like funky Pop, town funky towns <laughs> i just sweet. love that song <laughs> nice nice yeah many a time have i driven out to the forks and joes like <laughs> blasting that nice perfect um or like africa by toto <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> but you said one album yeah dang albums are hard um a rush of blood to the head by coldplay nice yeah it has like a lot of the classics on it it seems like kind of a basic sort of answer but yeah, i think it's a it's, really masterful album it's good for you know people like it for a reason it's really <laughs> good yeah yeah nice i don't really listen to them much now but that's like probably still my favorite album nice yeah. yeah, no, me too. I haven't listened to them in a long time, but you just saying that, I'm like, I could listen to that again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I I like kind of accidentally went to a Coldplay concert at the Gorge Whoa. when I was in college. That must I don't have remember. been really epic. Yeah, I think friends were going and like I tagged along last minute sort of thing. And I wasn't like an especially big fan of Coldplay at the time. And I probably was like, thought, I probably thought I like didn't like Coldplay because it wasn't cool to like cold stupid whatever you know um and then it was an amazing show i loved it and nice. it had such a good time and i was like oh wow yeah these these guys are amazing uh-huh yeah they and are they are the real deal <laughs> yeah. cool um what is one of the best decisions you've ever made Ooh, yeah i mean i've already said it but like quitting my phd that was horrifying very scary to do but very uncertain if i would like it but that set my life on the course it's on now and like i'm yeah forever grateful for that that's yeah. so that's so <laughs> sick do you do you see yourself doing how long do you see yourself doing this like exactly what you're doing now the <laughs> the six-week trips the six-week training yeah. blocks the staying at airbnbs or staying in your van um i mean as long as i can but for me it's like like uh i anticipate loving climbing for a long time but the lifestyle is more about like pursuing a grander curiosity for the world. Like it's cool to be able to like interact with so many people from all over the world, so many things around the world. Like there's so much more to do here in Rocklands than to just climb. Mm. And I'm like really grateful that the lifestyle like affords me to see those things. Like today, like, like this place is known for its wildflowers. Which I would recommend you do. They're There's popping like a, off right now. It's crazy. So cool. Like the yeah. most flowers I've ever seen, but it's so beautiful. Like like a, an actual like viewings place yeah. or something. Yeah. There's a there's a valley here called Beto Valley. I went and drove to it today. It's like kind of a chill dirt road, but it's like just an epic quantity of wildflowers. Nice. Yeah. You should go. Super cool. You should go see it. It's like just past Traveler's Rest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Noted. Yeah. But I'll, I'll do that. I'll probably try to pursue this lifestyle as <laughs> as long as I'm enabled to do so. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I feel like the more you like see of the world, the curious, like the more curious you get about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, wow, didn't know that was there. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's also <laughs> <Should> go explore. <laughs> it's interesting too. Like, I mean, going all the way back to the start of the conversation or midway or whatever, about talking about home. Um you know, I've, I've had this conversation with myself a lot in the last few years, like, ah, would it be, you know, St. George be a good place to put down roots or the front range or somewhere else in Colorado or Washington or Oregon or just going in circles. And I'm like, well, I really like Colorado 
in September. But then I really <laughs> like Waco yeah. in December, January, February. And I really like St. George in March and April. And I'm like, you know, I just keep doing that forever. And then I'm like, well, I guess I should just keep doing what I'm doing. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the perfect way to actually yeah. spend time in all those places. So. Yeah, I think it's hard to like divorce yourself from like, I have to exist in one place because that's what adults do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You go and find your place and you stay there and then you take trips every now and then. Yeah. Like certainly there's people and I like only a small portion of jobs enable this. And like as soon as you have a family or more complicated lifestyles, it's like it's harder to do. But if you're enabled to do so, I think it's like a perfectly valid way Mm. to exist as an adult that's sustainable yeah yeah hell yeah family kids me no (laughs) thoughts i like i really can't imagine it but yeah um i've been inspired lately by like the women in climbing who have proven that you can be a mom and like still like climb extremely hard. It's really yeah, we've, like we've it got, gives me chills. Actually, we've like got one of them here, not that far away. Yeah, Paige. Paige, Paige <laughs> yeah, crushing. Yeah, yeah. Seeing her send quintessential was like mind blowing. So Were that's cool. No, I wasn't, but Brian See, was there and like had footy of it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was just so incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, I used to be like afraid of that part because I thought it meant like like watching my athletic dreams go. But I think mm. there's like increasing examples of people showing otherwise, which is really cool and really inspiring. Nice. Yeah. Is there anything you wish people spent more time thinking about? Um, I wish there was things people spent less time thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Like what? Like, what? Uh, like <clears throat> fear. Like like spend more time thinking about like what you want and spend less time thinking about like the anxiety and fear that is invalid and getting in your way. Mm. Like kind of in my own life, I've tried to not let fear get in the way of doing things that serves the life that I want. I think some people like can give in to that fear or anxiety and like, think about it or pay attention to it too much. Mm. Yeah. The reasons, the reasons I think people, I think a lot of us spend a lot of time thinking about why we can't do things. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like there are very real reasons why you can't do things, but like sometimes like they're not as real as you think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like scary or risky, but like, yeah, like nothing is permanent. Like, (laughs) Like very few things are like irreparable. Um, yeah. And if you make like a genuine effort, like like even if something goes south, like it's probably worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the opposite of your question. <laughs> I, I should ask that. I should add that question to my list. I really like that question. Anything you want people to spend less time thinking about. <clears throat> it's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want people to know? Oh. Final final thoughts. Ooh. I feel like I don't have like a grand. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. The one that we just uh, cool wrapped up with. So we can we can close with that. What's next for you? Um. 
Well, I will. Oh, yeah. There's something big next for me, actually. I've been trying not to think about it. <laughs> what? I'll fly back from Rocklands and then I have to imminently build my home and my van because <laughs> currently it is <laughs> a construction site. It is a construction <clears throat> site. So I'll go back to the States and build my van again because I built it once and then made the van taller. <laughs> Had to take everything out of the van. So <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, building it back from scratch, which is a fun from scratch. Process. You tore out the whole thing. The whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Redoing it all. That's, that's a lot. You're going to do it yourself? Yep. Yeah. I did it myself the first time. <sighs> nice, dude. Props. I mean, you did too, right? No. Oh. No. I gave did. it to my friend Kevin. I was like, Kevin, make it cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Then, I should have done that. And then he did. And I'm, I'm <laughs> eternally grateful to Kevin. <laughs> My yeah. dad's like, can I help you? And I'm like, no, I must do it all myself. <laughs> that's that's rad. Respect. Yeah, that's super cool. All right, do you do it like at his house? Do you have a, a good shop or something? Um, I've kind of been like traveling around with all my tools and supplies and like kind of half-assed <laughs> building it. Like I drove like my miter saw and all of my power tools like to Waco with the intent <laughs> of like building it. But then okay. I got distracted. I, I, that rings a bell. I think yeah. Then I drove it to Salt Lake and like set it up at my, my coworker's house and like built a little bit of it. Then I drove it all the way to my dad's house, reset it up. But I think I'll stay there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, nice. The pitfalls of not having a home base. That was my main takeaway, like watching <laughs> Kevin build the van, because I did spend a lot of time, like, you know, brainstorming with him and stuff and making decisions and so many decisions to make. You know, it's like, what, oh my what kind God. of cabinet pullers do you want? And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, everything the, is a rabbit hole. <laughs> every, everything's a rabbit hole. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's maddening. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a nice, I mean, this is what he does for a living. So he had a, decent cool. shop setup. Now he has an amazing shop setup, but just seeing that I was like, I would, everything would be like, you know, 10 X more time consuming because I don't have yeah. a setup for any of this. I'd have to buy all the tools and everything that, that was like kind of a light bulb. It's tricky. Me, yeah. yeah. That's cool. You had help. Yeah. Better for climbing. It's like really hard to be in construction. In yeah. Work. Well, yeah. And I was, I was an engineer. I mean, it was premeditated and I like still had my engineering job mm. and I still rented oh, a, yeah. I was still oh, renting a room. Been. So I just like kept working. I was like, I'll just make more money, pay for it. Yeah. And then well, I'll so hit the road later. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I did it that way. Sick. But it's sick that you're, that yeah, that you're making it work. Can't wait to see it. Where can people find you? Um, Probably Instagram is where I'm most updated but i'm kind of toying with the idea of like bringing back like blogs <laughs> blogs sick yeah have you ever thought about i don't know like i feel like there's all these like this treasure trove of climbing blogs from like before i was a climber like yeah. i just came across um anna lena Lyaton? i don't know how to say her last name nice she has a blog from rocklands where i found a Is couple she beta she's videos Norwegian or Finnish or i think she's finished Something. yeah sorry <laughs> we're getting that wrong but yeah but yeah it was like a really well-crafted blog um I like that kind of like longer form kind of trip report style. So maybe I'll make a blog. Anyways, <laughs> that's not real right you, now. Do but you, like, you like writing? I Yeah, like crafting, like creating. Mm, um, yeah. I, I think Instagram like leaves me a little um, like feeling like I want more, like want something more personal or something that's like a greater expression of like my climbing experience because that's like cool to see in others. Yeah. I like that kind of content. Yeah. 
longer form, I guess. That's rad. Yeah. I thought super. Maybe cool. I'll make a blog, but you should <laughs> at the make, moment. You should definitely make a blog. <laughs> the moment I'm on Instagram. <laughs> okay, great. Well, yeah, yeah, you should definitely make a blog. Um, I'll share it whenever you do. <laughs> I've one idea I've thought about for a while is um I think it'd be really cool to have a blog for the nugget. Um which would not be written by me. I'd be collecting mm. articles and paying paying authors um, to write, you know, topical articles um, that would hopefully be evergreen, either about specific training or performance or mindset topics. Oh, that's really sports cool. psychology, like whatever. Um, but just kind of build, kind of a, you know, have a have a library mm-hmm. that lives on the website for people to check out. That's cool. Um, I would definitely. And yeah, once your blog's Definitely up, you can, you can write for <laughs> my blog too. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want that content. <laughs> Could just be ramblings. <laughs> ramblings from Jen. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. I think it's dinner time. Me. Yeah, we're yeah, going to have a braai. Yeah. It's been really fun to uh it's been really fun to get to know you on this trip. Likewise. Yeah. 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 We've it's had like awesome. I feel like we've had like Two full arcs, the Switzerland arc. Yep. The Africa arc. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We had some crossing of paths before that. Just like quick. I think I quickly met you in Waco and then Mm -hmm. slightly less briefly met you again in Waco a year later or something. But yeah, it's been really, really great to get to know you. And I'm I'm really grateful for you to for doing this in your in your final (laughs) days here. And um, honor for sure. Yeah been been a wonderful conversation in the dark (laughs) with these two with these two useless video cameras Uh, cool thanks for having me let's eat some food bye everybody Hey friends, before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out. Scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time.